Wrestling Geeks Hello, how are you guys doing out there? This is your friend Dane Alms with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show in which me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over, you know, the shows of the week for whatever we decide to go over because, you know, we pick some cool stuff and we stick to it, you know, and we also preview some of the big pay-per-views coming up. Uh, we got a doozy of a weekend. Uh, this is all AEW, so we're going to be going over AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, uh, and our predictions for the big show itself that will be happening on Sunday. It is a Saturday in which we record. We usually drop this show for new listeners um, probably about Sunday, mostly Mondays, and we record on Saturday. So definitely go on whatever downloadable platform you can find, whether it be Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iTunes. YouTube music, any of those outlets, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, subscribe, and give us a great rating. Unless you don't like us and just, you know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. But either way, I am joined by my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how was your week and uh, what are you doing right now? Specifically, at all. No, just sitting here drinking a noon beer, you know, living the life. Uh, it was a pretty good week, man. Busy as hell, actually. Um, had some people come over and pressure watch the house yesterday. I wasn't really feeling that well yesterday. I kind of took the day off work. And then uh, to top that off, we had people pressure watching the house. So it was just a mass amount of <sighs> for a long period of time, which also makes you feel great. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, man, it was, it was a busy week, but a good week. Nothing too, too crazy happened. I mean, outside of the world, but in my little small part of the world and universe, it wasn't, it wasn't too terrible. How about your week, Dane? How'd, how'd everything go with you? Uh, not too bad at all. Uh, you know, pretty standard work week. Uh, got a lot of stuff done at work. Watched a lot of wrestling, and now I am here talking with you. Not drinking a noon beer, but I got a noon uh, Monster Juice can. So you'll see the uh, amp up of my uh, talking abilities, or lack thereof, very soon to end this. And, uh, Probably the exact opposite for my good friend right here. So this should be a good uh, counteraction. Um, <laughs> I had to hit one of those. I had to hit one of those monsters earlier because I wake up early and feed my friend's cat. He's over in Scotland. Uh, so I've been cat sitting. Well, ca- cat visiting, what? I should say, for the that past was, two uh, weeks. That very rude to do to your pet cat. You don't think the pet cat would have wanted to go to Scotland? I mean, that could have been an experience <laughs> for him. And what if you got him bagpipes, you know? Oh, I can't imagine like that flight. <laughs> Poor cat. <laughs> my cat, my cat shits itself like having to take him to the vet. He gets so stressed out. So I can't imagine my cat being on a flight that long. Um, hey, big news outside of wrestling. They dropped that Shorzy <laughs> on Hulu. You seen this? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Jared Kesso is one hell of a comedic. 
<laughs> he's a very funny dude, and he should play Wolverine in uh, the MCU. So, it, I mean, you want to be authentic? He's fucking Canadian as fuck, and he's like five eight. So, <laughs> it's not really. I, it, this isn't really a spoiler, I guess, but like. Did you notice that he's doing the thing from Trailer Park Boys, but it's just the fucking dip cup? Yep. I can see what you're saying. <laughs> it's been a minute, but yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, when when I saw him without the fucking helmet on, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's great. So anyways, that's uh, that that's been my watching outside of uh, the the hockey and wrestling, which it was a great week to watch both. Well, you know, and 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 not to uh, scare anyone because it was a it was actually a very interesting uh, experience. But other than say wrestling stuff, I consumed, and we talked about this from last week, where I talked about mother. I, I'm assuming that's how you're supposed to pronounce it because there's an explanation point at the end of it. Um, I consumed every single uh, Aronofsky film uh, within like a six day radius. He's got seven of them total. So aside from mother, six films including seeing Requiem for a Dream, which I hadn't seen since I was in high school. And um, I think I feel better about life. I don't know. I'm kind of uh, – it was uh, it was interesting. I'll just put it that way. But, um, yeah, that, that wraps up the uh, segment from last week. But don't worry. I don't need anyone coming over here that <laughs> might have, like, jackets to put on me and take me somewhere. I'm fine. But, uh, yeah, you know. I wish I had your ability to just pick one director and be like, I'm going to go all the way through this catalog <laughs> in a period of time. I'm I'm just too spastic and, and to do that. <laughs> give me a little bit of credit because it's not just any director. Like it's one thing to do, like I'm going to do all Spielberg or I'm going to do all, all of, uh, of Scorsese, uh, which uh, rest in peace, Ray Liotta, uh, huge loss in the acting world. Um, but, you know, I pick, let's do all of David Lynch, or let's do all <laughs> of uh, John Carpenter, or, or like, you know, great directors, some of my favorites, but guys that like to get a little weird, uh, or, or Cronenberg. I, I fucking spent a week watching all of his movies, so, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I was talking to someone about this the other day. I was like, oh, Dane's watching Sopranos. We're going to talk about that at some point. And then I didn't realize, like, when you watch something, you watch it. Like, you knocked out all the Sopranos in, like, three weeks. I'm like, holy shit. Uh, I think we've talked about that. Because I hate doing that. Because you just you don't, you don't get to consume it the right way, I don't think, from when you, you watched it week to week. Or if I've watched Breaking Bad week to week compared to people that just get to, phew, within a couple days. It's just like... You don't breathe in an episode and anticipate the next. You just keep on going and you forget details. It's kind of kind of sad. I think it's good and bad, especially like, you know, if you well, for some reason miss an episode back in the day and you're like, fuck, <laughs> at least with HBO. Um, well, I guess you could like tune in earlier and watch it at seven or whatever. But like I. It, there, there's like the having the endless story versus the cliffhanger, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird way to consume things, and we we definitely do that nowadays. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like when people watch Dragon Ball Z, like they had to cut it down to Kai to re-release it because they're like, oh, there's so much filler. But when I was a kid watching that, it's like, yeah, but it's every week is a cliffhanger. <laughs> I got to admit that, um, oh my God, 
DBZ, I really was into like most when it came became popular in the 90s and 80s cartoon from over in Japan that was really popular. Kind of like Power Rangers, you know, they kind of recycled that concept in a different way. But I remember the Frieza saga, and it just went on, I think, for three fucking years of waiting on Cartoon Network, and it just never finishing. And then it kept on going, and they would restart. And it, all of a sudden, you get to a pivotal part, like, there's technically should be like six minutes left in this battle, and it's like, tune in next week to find out what happens on Dragon Ball Z. And it's like, what? But, you know. I mean, but that shit does slap hard as fuck at the end. <laughs> dragon, dragon, who wants a dragon, Dragon Ball Z? And, and, <laughs> so punk rock. Do we have to say uh, spoiler alerts for Dragon Ball Z at this point, or we could just talk about, like, Frieza murdering Krillin and Goku just going bad shit? Like, not mad, man. He was not happy with it, you know? It, it slaps so hard. As the kids would say, <laughs> it was worth the wait for me. Also, like in Kai, and this is, well, I'm not going to talk about this very long because we're already spinning. Um, there's like really funny Bulma weird episodes <laughs> that they kind of just cut completely out. Because it's really <laughs> unnecessary for a young Goku to invade her panties while she's sleeping. Oh, that's Jesus Dragon Christ. Ball, though. <laughs> that's oh, a, okay. Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball in general is uh, questionable. Very well, it's Japanese humor versus what we consider okay in America, I guess. And it's also the it was the eighties, so there's that. True. Very true. All right. Well, um, let's uh, let's let's go through a couple things because we don't have a lot of news. Well, we were talking about one of them right before this, and, and this is the thing. Well, I'm sure we're going to find out more information, but there's been lots of mixed reports. I haven't found from any of the major outlets a confirmation on the amount of time that Randy's taken off due to an actual injury or if this is within storyline. But some, you know, decent news outlets, they seem like they're going for it. So I don't know. Basically, I don't know if it's a work or a shoot, brother, brother. But what they're claiming is Randy Artie, and this is kind of known, has been having back issues, and that he, uh, the whatever, and I can't remember, happened to him at the end of the match. I think he went through a table, the announce table, uh, like really fucked up his back. So that's what they're sticking to. Randy's out. Um, we had a very emotional promo that was actually really well done, I think, from uh, Matt Riddle, who usually is kind of one note. Uh, but, uh, you know, came out, cut a promo saying that I hope he gets better, whatever. I don't know basically how long this is going to be. They're making it sound like it's going to be a while, but they're kind of, like I said, certain outlets are saying this is an injury. I haven't heard any of the big outlets say it's not a major injury, but I haven't heard them confirm that it's not a work. Uh, so maybe Randy's just taking time off. And that the amount of time is just, you know, whenever he wants to come back sort of thing. Um, or maybe he legitimately got injured. I'm sure we'll find out more information. But it should be said, one of the, I would say, top superstars in WWE and has been doing some major things, including elevating, you know, um, Matt Riddle, uh, or Riddle, I should say, uh, to the spot that he is, uh, would definitely be because of Randy Orton's involvement. So, Wondering what's going to go on uh, without him there with Roman taking, you know, less of a uh, 
uh, position. Still going to be out a lot of them, but just like last night was not at SmackDown. So, you know, we have that. Charlotte's gone. She just uh, got married. Uh, you know, there was pictures and everything. She plans on having a baby. Uh, obviously, the whole Sasha and Naomi thing. Those are not two other superstars. Um, it's just a very interesting time, and it looks like kind of a time where we're going to have to see some of the, the uh, guys, and a lot of them are, you know, stepping up, Chris, I would say, uh, whether it be an, a, uh, you know, Theory or Matt Riddle or, or whoever that's a part of this crop of talent and, um, you know, see what they can do. You know, you got a lot of guys that are pretty damn good. You have a lot of uh, still, led, you know, future legends, if you will, like a Bobby Lashley or a Drew McIntyre, guys that can hold it down also as well, Kevin Owens. Uh, but some of the young talent's going to have to step up a bit. And regardless if it's vacation to spend with his family or if it's, you know, actual injury, hopefully it's not anything too serious. And we'll see Randy back soon. But if anyone deserves some time off, it's it's Randy Orton, I would say. So just seems like an awkward time period, Chris, regardless. Chris, you're still on mute. Yeah, so like or, or, with Randy, I, I think this is probably kayfabe is going to be my guess. And WWE is finally setting up like him turning on Riddle and building that storyline because they're going to need something with Roman being gone. And they don't really focus on tag teams a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up at this next pay-per-view and hits fucking Riddle with a cutter <laughs> And then gets on the mic and says something. Yeah, my back was injured from carrying you. <laughs> like, um, it, it's weird with Randy because, like, even if he's hurt, you're never going to hear about it from him. That's kind of what we were talking about. And I think that's why it's – and WWE's not going to come out and straight say Randy Orton's hurt because that would hurt their ticket sales and the surprise of Randy maybe showing up. But uh, this has been – the. I became a Randy Orton fan because of the past like three years of Randy Orton. Before that, if you go back and listen to the podcast, I was very much not a Randy Orton fan. So he's done a lot in the past three years. It's made me respect him both as a, a worker promo. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just that he chilled out a little bit or whatever, but he's grown on me a lot. So if he is hurt, well wishes to Randy Orton and, uh, I, I mean, I want the Orton-Riddle match. I think it'll be fucking really great. And the promo-Riddle cut kind of shows that, hey, I don't always have to be a joking guy. You can make me into a babyface. Now, whether WWE is going to run with that or not, we'll see. But, I mean, the perfect heel for him would be Randy Orton. He, he's just – he slots in so good at that role. Yeah, I would agree. And I actually – you know, based on last night, I like the pairing now – and it kind of just unfortunately, you know, coincidentally with at least Rick Boogs, who knows if Randy is injured, then him as well. Now Shinsuke and Matt Riddle are coming together to go against those evil dastardly Usos, who I love. Man, Jay Uso, he was like, you know, getting down in his promo, Chris. He's all like, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do this without you guys. No, he says, you know, one side of us 
And then he starts going on to this thing about like, we couldn't do it without you guys, you know, just really praising the audience and always being there for them. And then Jimmy tells the other side and he goes, you know, or we didn't need any of you at all, you know, and just completely goes at the audience. They're both like, we didn't need you. Hey, guy in the purple shirt, we didn't need you. We didn't need you. No, we definitely didn't need you. And just healing it up. And now we have Riddle and Shinsuke, the two surfer bros with ridiculous gimmicks that like to kick people in the head, you know, even if it's just probably for a pay-per-view, reuniting. And honestly, it goes back down to even if Roman's not here for right now, if if it's Roman and the bloodline, we're going to get a lot of cool pairing and whatever's involved in that storyline is going to be one of the key storylines. But at the same time, it's been rumored pretty much that the the brand split itself is pretty much they're, they're kind of like just not officially getting rid of it, but just kind of at the same time, anyone can show up anywhere. They're going to use the 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 which we call voting on or the draft, I should say, to say that certain people are going to be on those brands. Certain people from that are going to jump from one side to the other. And the other people are probably just going to stay there, too, just for to differentiate. But the brand split's fucking done. Seems like the tag titles have already seen the design of them together, or at least that's what I thought I saw. Uh, and it seems like the world title, all we need is the women's title, which is also rumored to become part of it. And then you have the U.S. title and the IC title to represent each brand specifically. I think that's, if this is all true, I think this makes sense. And apparently, Chris, this was more of a, a call, like we said, would eventually happen with USA and Fox, kind of wanting whoever on whatever the fuck brand. So I hope that is all true because it just makes it more fun. I'd rather have, well, I wouldn't rather have three hours together, but I'd rather have five hours involving one set of storylines than two separate ones that don't have enough to be able to, you know, support that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. We've talked about it a bazillion times on this show, even going back to the beginning of the podcast. Like, what the hell is the point of the brand split? Because what happens is they give up midway through the year and then try to make you care about this Raw versus SmackDown thing. And you're just like, I, no one no one cares. So if you're Fox or USA, you're like, well, only one of us can get Roman Reigns. That kind of sucks. If I, you know, if I was USA and he's only on SmackDown, I'd be pretty fucking pissed about that. So uh, I think it eventually it, it probably never would have came to a head. They would just continue down the road of this weird brand split, except for they signed the TV deal with Fox. So now it's like, uh, you know competition between two networks and even though one is technically public access and well not public access but you know what i mean over the air major network like fox abc nbc cbs or whatever and usa is a cable network um that starts to matter less and less now in the days of streaming etc but that's a that's a whole nother spiel but uh, yeah, the, them kind of fighting each other. We knew that this was going to come at some point. It's it's going to be interesting because I know that I also saw kind of a weird image of what they would do with the tag belts if they combine them. And I'm like, just bring back the old tag belts. That's what I would do. But uh, I almost with the IC and US belts, instead of them being the US and IC belts, I would almost just keep the same design, but like put Fox on one and USA on the other and make those top titles. 
Makes sense. For those, for those brands, like make them TV titles. And um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's weird. Um, I kind of half expect Cody to win Money in the Bank and then challenge, and, and they're going to be like, no, fuck it, we're back to the brand split. And he can yeah. only challenge for one of the titles because it's WWE. But it would be really cool if, like, Roman shows up and it's just one belt that he melded together and it's like a custom. Or like like you talked about, I think, either last week or the week before, it's the, he brings back the Winged Eagle belt or something. Or, or you know, something neat if you're going to do it. Um, I will believe it when I see it. I just don't trust in WWE to actually pull the trigger on it and i get that because what it's going to do is it it and and some of this has to probably do with the talent a little bit is it is going to fuck up travel schedules again because now you're going to be sending because they do both shows live whereas rampage is recorded so if that that's the entire reason of the brand split is to kind of help with travel with some of these cats but if you're just going to ship them wherever they go anyways i guess it doesn't really matter yeah, no, that's very interesting. Um, a lot of stuff could be happening, and I think going in a positive direction. If we if we talk about that, I mean, this week alone, you know, you have Kevin Kevin Owens showing up, uh, just a, a lot of different people. You know, Matt Riddle showing up uh, from that from the other side, basically, and it's just it's it's very unneeded. But I like what you're saying, specifically with Cody. Because, like I said, he's all over this advertisement for Money in the Bank. Um, he's the one who's getting these countdown clocks. And I just feel like there is a good chance that he could get the Money in the Bank. Do you think this iteration of Cody, though, is going to be someone that's going to want to challenge immediately and set up the match? Kind of just having that moral fucking compass that it seems like his character has? Or would be someone to go after Roman Reigns, at, you know, after he's had a, a long match with Drew McIntyre and come out and take him out real quick. I, I feel like he's actually going to be like calling his spots and maybe that will lead up to SummerSlam if that happens. Like right afterwards, say, Roman, you know, I'm not coming up behind you and hitting you. You know, when you're down, I want you at your best. I want to beat the best and blah, 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 and kind of go from there. Oh, it's so hard to say because if they do that, then now Roman is going to be the babyface going into the match. You know, like if Cody comes in after a long match and beats Roman, well, now Roman is technically the babyface going into that match, and then that make would make me worried that they're going to fuck with Roman's character and then the fans will turn on him really hard. Um, Cody kind of, I don't know. In WWE, he's kind of a perfect baby face. So you think that instead he would probably try to call the spot beforehand and be like, me and you at SummerSlam, like the, maybe the night after he wins the uh, Money in the Bank? Well, the Money in the Bank is like, is no one's, has anyone ever done where they actually call a stipulation match for Money in the Bank? I don't know if necessarily a stipulation match, but they've definitely you know, said me, you here, blah, blah, blah. It's like the noble thing to do, but I don't know if they, they've been like me, you in an inferno match. 
That'd be kind of well, weird. Yeah, yeah, because like I know John Cena has came out and said, "Hey, I have the money in the bank, but I'm a stand-up guy, so I'm just going to tell you we're going to have a match on this date." Which is kind of a dumb baby face thing to do. What if Cody does it, but like it's like, yeah, but like Paul, the Usos are banned from ringside if they interfere with the title yeah. automatically switches. You know what I mean? Because it it should just be an open contract for a title match. I think that's more interesting than a cash in, honestly. <laughs> and, and that would be a great move to not make your baby face look like an idiot, but still have the advantage of him not just doing the shitty thing and cashing in. Um, but Hey, if they want to go that route, do, do you think Cody's going to be a better heel than what Roman currently is? I would, I, I don't want Cody as a heel. I think they should push him to the moon as a baby face, no matter what. Um, yeah. So, um, WWE, you're welcome to take that idea. If anyone out there that works for that company is listening to this, it's <laughs> make it's him a crazy. smart baby face. <laughs> It's crazy because one thing that someone pointed out uh, this summer, and I don't know exactly when, and I mean, it would suck because it would be a house show, but I guess technically you could record it because WWE, I guess, doesn't realize that they could do that for exclusives and shit, whatever. Uh, once in a while they do, but they have a Madison Square Garden show that Roman Reigns is supposed to be on, uh, I believe, in July. And I'll, I'll, while we're talking about this, I'll try to look up the details. But, you know, I'm just saying this is after we all a lot of us. Maybe that's that's going to throw us off. The fact he's in the commercial. Cody doesn't end up winning. You know, it's someone else. But let's just say Cody wins money in the bank. What if he called out Roman in Madison Square Garden for the title? What if he specifically if you want to not have to worry about there not being two titles like Romans now the Brock Lesnar guy that goes and comes back and he has the universal he could literally call him out for the world heavyweight title and kind of replay that story with his father and billy graham at madison square garden and possibly win the title there i mean i think as a wrestling fan i think that's kind of cool i don't know that wwe wants to do that off tv but i don't know why they care so much because they could just replay the package on the next show so they I think that's all. I think it's an awesome idea. Um, I if I had to pick someone outside of Cody winning Money in the Bank, I guess Kevin Owens. If you if you absolutely yeah. need to transition the titles, you could put it on Kevin and just do a, a few turn Kevin Hill again and let him and Cody go at it for a while. If you if you don't want Cody to immediately be champion. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, some very interesting things going forward, and Kevin Owens, you know, if if he if he's a part of this, that's that's also a thing. If Cody is a part of that specific match, which I'm assuming both of them will be, those are probably my top two to win that. So it'll be fun to see what happens. It's just when you get to, and that's something that AEW does, I think, a lot better than WWE. When you get to reflect on history, that would be a really cool concept. Or Here's even more of a crazy thing, Chris. They set up that whole entire thing. He cashed in money in the bank. They have the match at Madison Square Garden, and fucking Roman beats him. And this just puts him in more of a drive to finally get that title. You know, it sets up something even later on and makes even more meaning into it. I don't, I don't expect WWE to be that ahead of themselves, but I'm just saying, storytelling, storytelling, you know? 
Yeah, and I actually forgot to bring this up a, a couple of weeks ago, but they were saying whoever wins at Money in the Bank gets a title shot at Mania. They dropped that a couple times, and that's something I guess Vince was toying around with, which makes me think they're not going to keep the titles unified. Because mm-hmm. otherwise the Royal Rumble doesn't mean anything. Um, so I wonder if that's it, it, obviously it's something they dropped into an announcer's headset. Um, I, I know that Brian Alvarez and Dave talked about it and they're like, I, that's just an idea that Vince is toying around with apparently. But if they do that, I, I would expect there to be two separate belts still. Um, yeah. But it's early, so <laughs> who knows? And also, we everyone knows Kevin Owens is going to be in this match because I need someone to fall off a fucking ladder so uh! times. <laughs> Make that noise. Yes, they do. I hope he yells my hole. <laughs> oh, my God. Up. Let's bring it back. <laughs> him, and, him and Sammy Owens were so good last night, man. They're fucking hilarious. Oh, those two idiots. And, of course, it ended up with both of them getting in a fight and calling out each other. It was just great. They were hugging, and, and Sammy was telling KO that, you know, yeah, of course. Like, I don't know what everyone doesn't see. Elias is obviously Ezekiel. And then, like, Kevin Owens hugs him, and, like, like you know, he, <laughs> Sammy's like, are you crying, man? And he's like, just no one's ever believed me. And then Sammy's talking about the bloodline, and then finally Kevin Owens can't do it anymore and calls him out and is like, you're not really a part of the bloodline. You just bought a T-shirt. And then <laughs> Sammy ramps up and was like, I didn't even believe what you were saying about Ezekiel and Elias. Obviously, they're two different people. They look completely different. One has a beard and one doesn't. Like, just comedic gold. I love them together. They're so fucking great, and they're also great wrestlers. And that's the type of comedy that doesn't make me want to chop off my uh, my head, you know, especially if someone were to walk in my fucking room while I'm watching the shit. But... <sighs> Sorry. It it, it kind of makes you wonder what the actual script for that was before it got to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. <laughs> yep. Like I'm sure they had a general idea. <laughs> they, but, they don't understand that like Paul Heyman's right behind him reading it. It's like you should probably get that changed. Quack quack quack. Just walks down the hallway. <laughs> uh, yeah. I. I, you know what? I'd be fine with them being a tag team. If you just need random tag teams, put them back together. <laughs> Why not? They, they're a great tag team. They are. But, like, I mean, they wanted to kill each other last night, but, you know, shit happens. But, all right, let's get to the two other items um, since we added about four to that one. But, hey, stuff came up. We talked about it, okay? Be happy we did. Anyways, injury update from Mr. Dave Meltzer about Kenny Omega. Um, he's not expected to be even in the back, which is where he has been working, uh, for AEW double or nothing. And basically he just noted for the update, Kenny Omega went to a couple tapings in the last few weeks to work backstage, but in hindsight, the travel was too early for the healing needed for his injuries. And he won't be in Las Vegas this week for the pay-per-view show. Uh, he continued. Omega did say uh, that the parts of his body that are healthy, he had... No, I can't do this. All right. He is able to train well and is pushing himself harder every week. Uh, he continued, other parts are healing slow. He said he's re-signed to the fact that physically he will never be 100%. But he looks at reversing some of the physical damage and being able to return 
and this time off off in fixing up his different injuries would extend the time as an effective pro wrestler. Um, And we've already talked about he could be out all the way out until February. So, you know, we hope that Kenny gets better. And just obviously, this happens to wrestlers. Kenny's hitting 40 soon. I can actually find out the exact thing. Kenny Omega is 38, uh, and he's going to be 39 in October. So he's he's hitting 40, you know, and he's done a lot of uh, wear and tear to his bodies. I mean, all the, the, the things stem mainly with the knees, and that's probably either outside or inside doing those uh, reverse aranas to people and falling on your knees, just everything, meteoras, uh, obviously charging with your knee, a lot of times making it look like you're nailing him in the head, but actually going past it and probably getting stopped by something else, force, going and doing his fucking, you know, the Terminator flip to the outside, falling on his leg. There's so much wear and tear that happens there, plus other parts of his body. Um, He's going to have to do some changes, and that's got to be, that's got to have some toll, tolls on a, a wrestler. But I will say, if you look at a lot of past wrestlers and, when they quote-unquote toned it down, a lot of them put on some of their greatest performances, you know, uh, whether it be a Shawn Michaels who had a career-ending neck injury and was able to heal up a good portion of it throughout a duration of time and then change certain aspects. And then from what a lot of wrestling fans say, uh, put on some of his best matches in his career. Um, so had a better second half, picked his spots, knew where to do certain things and where to do, you know, some of the more, you know, like a, a moonsault through a friggin' announce table, you know, springboarding off of that, when to pick it, make sure it's at like a pay-per-view. Uh, Stone Cold had a tone down after his neck injury from the, uh, you know, sit-out Tombstone powerbomb from, or uh, uh, Tombstone from, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Owen Hart. So he became less technical and more of a brawler. So it would last uh, his body, uh, you know, and that's something, you know, we're not going to all be like Terry Funk where it's like, okay, you know, I probably should tone it down or I can implement a moonsault into my arsenal and start doing those every fucking thing, you know, and, and Terry obviously is, is dealing with a lot of uh, pain right now or, or Dynamite Kid for an example for that. Uh, sometimes wrestlers have to change up certain things in their arsenal I don't think I hope that Kane doesn't think that he doesn't have many years ahead of him because it's not necessarily about that. Just, you know, now you have to go at it differently. And I think we're still going to see a lot of the signature things Kenny's known for. I don't think we're going to see him at double or nothing. I think if anything, maybe at Forbidden Door because of his history with both companies, maybe just an announcement or just giving an update to the fans or like a, maybe at the end of the Okada match coming out and just giving him like a, a head nod, like a little salute, just setting up maybe something for the future, maybe not, you know. But uh, I think Kenny Omega will be will be fine. It just this is this is the life of a wrestler, especially if you put a lot of miles on your body, it it comes up and uh you know catches up to you. So Brian Danielson's had to deal with this. I mean Edge, Christian, all those returning wrestlers. Uh, they've had a, some of them have, uh, done more than probably, you know, needed, but 
they've all figured out ways to incorporate a better style that's you know less harmful to the specific things done to their body and also did things on their own to alleviate some of the stress they did to either their brain or their neck or their back or whatever so uh what do you think about kenny uh and this whole entire information this update by mr dave metzler yeah i mean it goes back to the that original interview he did with Meltzer where he was talking about the recovery process and and how it's even seeing doctors were delayed by covid and i mean the guy really wants to get back but he doesn't want to come back half-assed and you can tell how much he wants to give a good performance in every match just by the statement of like i don't want to come back until i can give some people something presentable and i know i'm never going to be 100 percent again like that's a, a dedication and love like well we already knew that by him wrestling through these fucking injuries as champion on like three different shows <laughs> which is just still ridiculous um probably didn't do him any favors but uh I, I don't know it made me respect him like even more i i could care less if he comes back in this year if he's going to come back healthy and hell even be like 75% of the Kenny Omega that wrestled Okada. Um, because like you said, I think there's ways to be, like, as far as in ring goes, but there's ways to be, be a great wrestler and not necessarily be the best in ring wrestler. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when he finally comes back. A lot of people were thinking that he's going to show up at the hangman punk thing, but I, it, Kenny's kind of just been a straight shooter about this injury the whole time. If he does this, it'll be like a huge swerve for me. <laughs> I would be completely blindsided by this, but uh, I think he, I mean, I think he is really hurt and he wants to take his time and I could see him doing something at forbidden door. Uh, like you said, even if it's just coming out um, to challenge the next guy down the line, you know, in a suit with the Ray bands on, but uh, just, I mean, the biggest thing is like, I hope that he doesn't, I, and maybe this is just because fans are weird now, but like, God damn, <laughs> what more do you want from the guy <laughs> really, <laughs> uh, as far as entering matches and stuff. So I, I, I know that it's gotta be hard knowing that you can't do things you used to do, <laughs> which it is even for me. I'm like, Oh, I can't do that anymore. But, like, I can't imagine doing it on the level that he did it where you're, like, PWI's number one wrestler and you have, like, seven star matches with Okada and shit, knowing that you're not necessarily going to ever be that guy again. But, like you said, a good example is Shawn Michaels, which, you know, a lot of his best matches, I'm not going to say in-ring quality of what Shawn could do, but a lot of his best matches were when he came back from retirement and yep. got more into storytelling and, and could have good matches with people you wouldn't expect him to. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, best wishes to Kenny. I want him to get back as fast as possible, but I think he should do it on his terms and, and not let anyone try to dictate that. Uh, <laughs> kind of what's going on in New Japan right now with Kota Ibushi. It's kind of the opposite <laughs> of everyone just being like, Kenny, take your time apparently but yeah i mean just get healthy and uh you know what like i think kenny should remember that 50 percent of kenny omega is still better than 90 percent of most wrestlers so you'll be all right bud 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate, and I hope that this is not, like, if he's able to figure out and cater towards a, a bit of a different style that, you know, just learns from it, becomes better at that, and doesn't, I feel like there's two guys that once it hit the 90s and they weren't because of everything that they dealt with, you know, throughout their career, injury-wise, kind of just couldn't do the same thing, both Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair, and it kind of made them mentally fall apart with their, uh, you know, their uh, confidence levels in the ring. And certain people would bring them out into, you know, whether it be an Eddie for uh, Ric Flair or later on, maybe even a Triple H getting in his head or with Randy, with DDP, kind of bringing them back to where they were. But they really just got in their head and they were never able to kind of recover from that. And I think the confidence was way bigger and and, and, and dynamic uh, than their lack of ability still. I think they just... They might have had a bad day at the office a couple times, and then two of the greatest kind of – they diminished themselves, if that makes sense, Chris. I hope that Kenny doesn't have that problem and he's able to, you know, pivot in a different direction and figure out what he's good at and just keep at that. I mean, the, the weirdest example, I think, is Brian Danielson, you know, because he still goes 90 miles an hour. He's still making sure he doesn't get dropped on his head, but – I mean, he's still doing a fucking lot for coming back from an injury as big as he did. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's just, it's more like Kenny is disappointed in his body more than he thinks that he's at kind of the level of like a Ric Flair and Macho Man in his career. Um, but I mean, you you just listed off some. I mean, there's some great examples even in AEW currently. Like I think this current run with CM Punk is some of the best ring work he's had since like 2006. So it's, it's more about the storytelling and, and how you build a match. And I, you know, as far as that goes, I think Okada will be fine or not Okada, but Omega will be fine. Um, yeah, not too worried about it. I just hope that he, you know, gets healthy and doesn't rush back. And I mean, I, I really don't think it's going to matter because his next match is going to be either against probably against punk Danielson or Okada. And all of those matches are going to be like plus five stars anyways, just based on the hype around it. <laughs> so like, take your time, get back, do your, do your stuff. Um, it, it kind of, it's kind of disappointing to hear that he was doing this traveling and it, it like, kind of sidelined what he was doing recovery wise like is he really needed there in the back of that bad can't you just skype him in or something <laughs> go back to the code that... error put him on a fucking monitor <laughs> yeah I, I would assume that's kenny wanting to be able to be back in some way involved i could be wrong but you know how devoted he is so it just probably was not a good idea hindsight looking back at it Yeah, yeah, you're probably right on that. And uh, like that, the Meltzer interview, and then this, the comments made just now. It's like it. I don't know that I've heard. I mean, there's obviously like Daniel Bryan's a good example of someone that just absolutely fucking loves wrestling. Um, but the way Kenny is just so 
like in those comments is just so upset that he's never going to be a hundred percent again. It's just, yep. it just shows you his love. Like, cause there's, I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers. They know they need to dial it back and they still love wrestling, but they don't talk about it <laughs> in the way. Like it, like I said, it almost sounds like he's pissed off at himself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's insane. Yep. Well, um, let's move on to our last news item, and you brought them up uh, a little while ago. We had a response from New Japan about Kota Ibushi, and it was actually in the form of an apology. Um, the main chunk of it, uh, translated, basically said for the thought uh, or for the thoughtless uh, content of these messages, we fully and re- unreservedly apologize to Mr. Kota Ibushi. Despite the officially lengthy relationship with Mr. Ibushi, the lack of consideration shown to him and by extension, our wrestlers at large should also be met with appropriate penalty. Uh, They would go on to say um, Kota Ibushi is and will remain a key member of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster. This kind of severe disagreement between company and talent should not have happened and will not happen again in order to prevent any such instances in the future and ensure the best possible working environment for talent. We will be actively engaged discussion with Mr. Bushi about improving company policy and implementing proper procedure, uh, especially considering the circumstances surrounding everything that happened. There was never any consideration given to term termination, but given the uh, contract breach, involved in the unsanctioned appearance as well as publishing uh, company secrets that is something that would likely result in a salary reduction so there will be consequences but new japan i mean is this them covering their their asses or is there any type of legitimacy of them trying to even though penalize him for i would say understandable stuff talking about inner workings of their business whatever um are they actually trying to get Kota Ibushi back involved with them? Uh, what do you think about these statements, Chris, from New Japan Wrestling over the situation with Kota Ibushi? Ooh, seems a lot like they don't want to let him out of his contract. That reminds me of a couple of females in the, the uh, USA right now. <laughs> kind of, sort of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it means because then Kota came out on Twitter and said that's not the full length of the conversation we had. So the saga continues. Um, I do know that a lot of this came down with uh, apparently Kota Ibushi's mother attempted to commit suicide. So she's like in the hospital Jesus. with like a massive back injury. And he said part of that was the stress that he put on her about the company. Maybe that's just him blaming himself. Um, that's something we'll never know. And, and once again, this is all we're reading translations of this. Um. So it's, I don't know, it's a very nasty situation, and I mean, at some point, if the, if, if the, the relationship is soured this much, do you really feel confident about putting, I mean, in Coda, I'm sure would never do this, but at some point you have to worry about putting this person in the middle of the ring, right? Yep. Because what if, what if this guy's just like, fuck it? <laughs> 
in the middle of a match or something. The same thing with Sasha. Like, what if she just walks out through the crowd with both belts and sets them on fire? Like, no one's really done that kind of shit since the 90s. But if you're going to lock people up in these contracts and then, you know, to me, this is piddly, peddly shit because it's like he did an indie show appearance that he didn't get sanctioned. And that seems like is what started a lot of this, minus them trying to rush him back from uh, or wanting him, trying to force him into what shoulder surgery, which yeah. he already had and didn't want to do it again because um, there's proof that if you get it done twice, it actually shortens. Like instead of natural recovery, you're kind of fake recovering, which is a uh, that actually happened in the NHL with a player. And there was a similar kind of contract lockup. Um, Jack Eichel, they wanted him to do this very specific proven neck surgery. And he's like, well, yeah, but like for longevity of my life, I don't want to do that. So it held up like his contract for an entire year. And this seems like kind of a similar situation with Kota Ibushi's shoulder. Um, plus like he did an indie date, like apparently he didn't even wrestle on it. So I don't know why they're <laughs> super pissed about it, but I, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. And once again, um, it's, we're reading a lot of it through translations so we can only give broad definitions of what's going on. But I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal for new Japan because they signed him to a 10 year deal thinking he was the next guy, <laughs> Right. Like, that was going to be their golden boy. That's why they put the title on him right after they signed him. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's it's fucking weird. And then it just went back to Okada, which is just the safety net for New Japan. <laughs> That's not a bad fucking safety net to have, by the way. <laughs> but No, of course not. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's weird, man. I mean, and obviously COVID happened in the midst of what would be Coda's push and Japanese audiences still aren't allowed to cheer though. I do hear that they're going to be allowed to cheer at G one potentially. Um, with Mr. Brian Danielson leaving immediately over there to start training and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They're like, Oh, okay. Cause I mean, that's a lot of the reasons that some of these cats like Brian Danielson haven't wanted to go there yet is cause they want the crowd to be able to, participate and feed in and off the match um which is still crazy to me that like okada and 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 certain cats are still able to have the quality of matches they've been having with basically just clapping uh <laughs> for fan reactions and stuff but uh, yeah it, it's it's weird with coda I, I i mean in my heart i want them to just work this out <laughs> but I don't think it's happening, and I think they're just holding it, holding up on that contract, similar yeah. to Sasha Sasha Banks. Well, at least we know that now Sasha not only uh, not only is her contract almost up, but actually Naomi's coincidentally's contract's almost up. So I guess they'll tack on whatever they have to tack on, but basically both ladies will be able to wrestle um, sooner than than previously thought at least with naomi i thought she had an extension thrown on there but very interesting uh to see some of these wrestlers sticking up against the company and uh we'll, we'll have to see what happens uh in the future yeah we'll see how big of a dicks wwe is about this because like with sasha if they tack on all of the time that she's been off for the past two years 
it's going to be an additional year to her contract, basically. They could do that. I'm sure they could find some loophole, even though they probably promised her it, but that's WWE. But what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, man. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this is the big AEW episode, the uh, the rundown of the road to AEW Double or Nothing. The 20 is it the 20 year anniversary, Chris, or the third? No, not not 20. The fuck is it? Uh, the third three year anniversary, I think. Not 20. Dane just you know it's morning, shit happens. But uh, yeah, man, this is a big one. <laughs> I, I what what I think happened is your altered dimension came through <laughs> where this show's been running for 20 years. Yeah, I want to hang out with him. It's kind of boring right now in this time period, but at least we got cool wrestling. Oh, <laughs> Lord. But yeah, this is a this is a big deal, man. And uh you know, we're we're uh we're back. This is uh the one thing I will I will say about Double or Nothing in general before we go over Dynamite and Rampage. It's a long ass fucking card, man. They added a lot of fucking matches to this. Did they not? <laughs> yeah, they did. And they have some kind of weird thing where the pre-show is not going to start until the end of the Stanley Cup game, right? Or that was uh, – maybe maybe I, I had to look at it again, but there was some kind of weird – maybe that was Rampage. Where there was like going to be a weird start depending on what the NHL is doing. So – I guess we'll we will see on Sunday. Um, but they have what eleven fucking matches on this thing with One, an hour two. pre-show. No, they have um they have uh, <laughs> they have thirteen matches. Yeah, something on this is getting bumped. I can almost guarantee it. Now that's Unless including pre-show match. But uh, yeah, something's probably up. there's going to be another match added to the pre-show. I can't see all of these making it. Uh, to the the main thing, and this is actually the fourth, so I really have no idea what's going on. I'm gonna get more caffeine uh, in the in the meantime. What, but, are, what, uh, I mean, yeah. what, are, what the hell are they gonna do? They're gonna do like ten minute matches in AEW. <laughs> it's they're gonna let's it comes on at eight. It's gonna end by twelve, right? Or twelve thirty if they do the if they pay for the run over unlike WCW um what why why are they doing you know what seems to be longer shows and WWE's doing shorter shows now what the fuck's going on i, I think WWE realizes that they could do a better pay-per-view by making it shorter <laughs> uh and and they're also not buying i mean they're not getting paid as much as like AEW is going to get paid for this pay-per-view because they're making it off network subscribers or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man, 14, 13, 14 matches. I thought it was 11. So they added even more shit, which is <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess we know that hook Housen, old, old, old hook Housen and Dan Housen are going to be on the pre-show. So, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be like a, a one minute match. I'm trying to think of matches that you can trim time off of because they have like a bunch of they have that big segment match with the Jericho Appreciation Society and uh, uh, fucking Blackpool Combat Club Santina and Ortiz together. Uh, that's going to be like at least 10 to 15 minutes because it's going to be like a filmed out brawl. I'm expecting they have Hardys versus the young bucks and you know, the bucks are going to be like, we need 20 minutes. 
Uh, All right, <laughs> look, I will, I'm going to go over the card itself. We'll talk about the matches after we talk about Rampage and, um, and Dynamite at the end of it. But right now, I'll just go over all the matches on this card. And you can tell me if some of them, I don't know, needed to be here or not. All right, so we got Hookhausen, Hook and Danhausen versus Tony Neese and Smart Mark Sterling. I still think that they're going to pull some shit right there, and it's going to be a surprise. That's on the pre-show. Apparently the only one on the pre-show. Then we have Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. something they threw together because Kyle is the one who destroyed Sting's leg, so they're throwing that on there. Jay Cargill versus Anna Jay. House of Black versus Death Triangle, finally. American Top Team uh, with uh, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Paige Van Zant going against Sammy Guevara, Frankie Kazarian, and Ty Conti, the Hardys versus the Hardleys. Jungle Express versus Team Taz versus Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. The Anarchy in the Arena match, the Jericho Appreciation Society versus the Blackpool Combat Club, Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. Uh, the Women's uh, Owen Hart Foundation Tournament Finals, Dr. Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. The men's version of that, Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole. MJF versus Wardlow. Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb for the AEW Women's Championship. And then Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk for the AEW World Championship. Ooh, I, I, it's a great card, but I don't know how you fit all of it on one night. <laughs> In four hours, guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see what th- maybe there was. Wardlow is gonna murder MJF in ten seconds. <laughs> I'm trying to fine. think of how you cut. I, I I'm trying to think of ways you can cut time out. Of the I show. mean, honestly, uh, honestly, this is what I have to say about it. Um, I would be having for a main event that American Top Team versus blah 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 match because it's not. If you're not even having the TNT title on this. It, it's something you've built up, but it's really not important on this. And I love Darby Allen. He doesn't have to be on every pay-per-view. Him and Kyle just literally started their what, what should be their feud since he fucked up his mentor. You don't have to have this on there. You don't really have to. Anna Jay has no build towards Jay Cargill. Sorry, that one also probably does not need to be on there. And I feel like just like how Dynamites have gotten recently, we're going to get a lot in uh, – well, not even a short amount of time, but they're going to be pushing the limits and time might come off that fucking heavyweight championship match because of stuff that happens beforehand. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, um, I, I with with Darby and I'll say this with with the Darby match and the Danhausen match, that's a buy in. And they're two really good guys to put in on that to maybe draw fans into buying the pay-per-view, which is the entire idea, right? So yeah. I don't have a huge problem with that, especially because Darby and Kyle O'Reilly will probably have a really good fucking match, and you'll get the funniness Absolutely. of Danhausen um, and Hook together in that in that first match. So I have no problem if they, if you were just telling me those are the two matches on the buy-in. There's other stuff on this that's like, man, y'all are packing a lot together, and God, some of these matches are gonna be. I'm going to say a little bit of a letdown for some AEW fans like Adam Cole and Samoa Joe. They're probably going to wrestle like an eight minute fucking WWE match. <laughs> like, it's going to be interesting, man, but it's packed. It is definitely packed. So I guess let's go through Dynamite. We'll go through Rampage, like I said, and we'll come back and give our predictions for the pay-per-view. 
Uh, also, one, real quick, it was funny, uh, Dax's reaction. He was talking about the pay-per-view and really hyping it up. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I, I just realized that me and uh, me and Cash are not going to be on it. So I hope everyone does a good job at the pay-per-view. But, uh, you know, I don't know where the fuck you'd put them anyway. So it's it's a huge... It's a huge card, man. It's a huge card. But uh, that's why I'm looking forward to once they really get this whole Ring of Honor thing straightened out. I think there's going to be a differentiating, uh, probably a, a pay-per-view every once in a while to kind of take the space of, well, the amount of time between AEW pay-per-views. Uh, and hopefully we'll see some people on that, uh, especially with people associated like that with FTR, Samoa Joe, you know, Wheeler Yuta. Um who is over apparently kicking ass over in the uh, Super Juniors? I heard Ace Austin's really making some good rounds over there, Chris. Uh, yeah. So I, Ace Austin has had a bunch of good matches, and he was tied for first place with nine points, three wins, um, one loss. Last time I looked, I may be a night or two behind now, though. Um, but he was tied in the. I think he's in the A block. Which uh, yeah. Holy shit, they're letting him run wild, and they should. I'm glad that he's getting the appreciation he fucking deserves that me and you have been talking about for two years at this point. And, dude, um, Mike's, uh, Mike Sabrevisi uh, on, uh, whatchamacallit, Wrestling Observer was telling Brian that, you know, he's he sometimes, I guess, taking guests and putting him in the whole entire thing can get a little hairy, but, like, all the guys have stepped up, TJP, uh, Ace Austin, Willer Yuta, and really approved that they belong to be there and competing with some of the best, like El Desperado and Takahashi and and uh, ELP and all the other badasses in New Japan. So that's pretty cool. I do need to get a little bit more uh, acquainted and caught up with some of the matches this year. Yeah, I've only I've only caught some highlights here and there, and then I've watched a bunch of or most of the Ace Austin matches and a couple of the Takahashi matches. Um, but yeah, I have not, there's too much wrestling and I was about, don't you wish that on me, Ricky Bobby, where you're talking about a second ring of honor pay-per-view, which will probably run the night before a WWE pay-per-view because they'll alternate weekends or some shit. <laughs> then me and you will have to do the podcast for seven hours instead of three to talk about all the wrestling. You know, whatever we got to do, man, we're, we're, we're dedicated. All right. Um, so it starts off with a bang, man. And honestly, I, I hate to be this guy. I think I would have done this match last. Um, I get it and what they're trying to do. I know that MJF, along with CM Punk, are huge needle movers. And when it comes to viewership and, 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 and all those things, you know, uh, with the key demos and whatnot. But, um, they started off with a bang, and it was, you know, uh, MJF doing his best impersonation of Shawn Michaels. Uh, I think that was circa '97 when he was the uh, special guest referee, uh, just with the shortest of shorts, sleeveless, uh, fucking referee shirt. I can't believe I'm saying this, Chris. I think we've all known he was a good worker, but specifically this position that he's been with MJF. I have to give it to Sean Spears, man. I was bitching about him being the odd man out uh, within the pinnacle for the longest time. And really, honestly, between his personality, the little promos he gets to cut, 
just at the camera, his facial expressions, especially when he nails MJF in the fucking head, and you got that great image of Wardlow just like coming up the production. I bitch about the production with Dynamite a lot of times, like especially when you have John Morrison giving instructions to Samoa Joe and you're fucking filming him, which is both of your faults. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but with this, how they have that, and then Wardlow just comes up behind him, and then you you just see on Sean Spears' face like, oh fuck, he's behind me, and just to go from there, it's it was uh, Sean. He's more than just a good worker, man. He's definitely for being the uh, not so much the bodyguard, but just the the guy to go back and forth with MJF. He's definitely worked out well, and uh, this this match was was fun. Uh, you know. For some reason, you know, with his handcuffs on, because Wardlow comes out doing the whole Goldberg thing, basically, uh, handcuffed, uh, you know, MJF just couldn't find them. And then Sean, Steer, uh, Sean Spears starts beating him down. He finds the key but puts it back, starts the match, and starts beating the shit out of Wardlow as well. But Wardlow comes back, takes out Sean Spears, and, you know, he's demanding that MJF will basically take off the, uh, the the cuffs and MJF now can't find the key again and just spits right in his face. So Warlow just breaks the cuffs, just annihilates Sean Spears. Uh, MJF won't count at one part, uh, you know, helps out Sean Spears. Then we go back to Sean Spears doing his finisher to Warlow. Fast count, but still Warlow's able to, to get out of that. And, uh, you know, just they get the better of Wardlow again. Like I said, Sean Spears goes outside, gets a chair, brings it back in. This is not the WWE style match where if you go outside, you win the match. Uh, so he brings it back in. MJF is holding Wardlow in place. And Sean Spears cranks up, nails MJF right in the fucking head. MJF sells it great, like just completely concussed, just like looking up having no idea what the fuck's going on. We have another referee come out after Wardlow just powerbombs the shit out of uh, Sean Spears. And one, two, three, Wardlow gets MJF at double or nothing. And before he could do anything to, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, MJF, security comes in, and it was like a video game. All the, the announcers were laughing their asses off while this is going on. Tony, JR, Scalibur, one guy just comes in. Wardlow's just nailing him right in the face. Good work punches. Just it looks like he's annihilating all of them because they're they're coming in this small little opening one at a time, and he's just right there to fucking take him. And then the last guy that's in there, he hits him and then fucking power bombs him against the goddamn cage, and he falls into the void. All of a sudden, he disappears. We don't know what the fuck happened to this guy. He might still be missing. We have no idea. And Wardlow gets to the top of the cage and is staring a terrified MJF down and just pointing at him. And we have our match set up for Sunday. I thought this was awesome. I loved all of it. Great storytelling. Uh, just just a lot of fun. And really hyping up this match between the two guys this weekend. What did you yeah. think, Chris? I have to agree with you, with the exception of uh, Mr. Sean Spears. I still think he's boring as hell, but he is a good worker, and he did have some good facial expressions, and it was good production. I, I wonder how many times they're going to go to that, though, because they did that with Keith Lee in that ladder match when he popped up behind uh, Will Hobbs as well. 
So the the surprise thing, it's still funny every time. I just don't go to the well too many too many times on that. But uh, yeah, really fun match. MJF is fucking hilarious. Uh, Sean Spears looked like he killed him with that chair, but I'm sure it was very very soft. It looks really good. Um, at least they didn't do the gimmick chair again, where it falls on top of you and you know gashes you for life. That's why Cody has a giant ass scar. <laughs> Um. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, when I think of the Wardlow breaking the cuffs, and this is not his fault. There's an episode of Cops. <laughs> it's like in Las Vegas, and there's a little person, and they arrest him for street performing, and that they they put the handcuffs on him. He goes, "I can break these cuffs." Y'all YouTube that later. It's pretty funny because <laughs> I started laughing as soon as I. <laughs> saw him trying to break the cuffs because it's all i could think of which is not wrestling's fault <laughs> that's a me thing um uh, but man wardlow superstar and uh best built AEW talent ground up so far probably him and jade yeah absolutely because like darby was in evolve and stuff so people kind of knew him coming in and then you know jungle jack perry was Jack's kid, and he had kind of been around the indie scenes, but I don't remember hearing anything about Wardlow or Jade before they came in. So, as far as like home built talent goes, they've done a good job of building them. I will see how they build someone that isn't going to have a Goldberg streak, I guess, at some point. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I mean that is he's he's very much his own dude, but the fact that there are similarities with Goldberg of how the the crowd's approaching him. And also within the storyline and one of his favorite wrestlers when he was younger, Batista with the whole Batista triple H role. It's like, those aren't bad guys to be compared to. And not only that, Wardlow from what we've seen is a better worker than the both of them. So it's a, it's a good combination. It's definitely going to be someone. And even if he keeps on saying, you know, we'll see when the dollar signs get in front of him. But even though he keeps on saying AEW for life, he's definitely someone WWE is looking at. So, who uh, Wardlow or MJF? <laughs> Both. Wardlow, probably. Wardlow, MJF, uh, Chris Jericho. There's definitely guys that that's on their uh, their want list, if you will. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Wardlow's run has been great. It'll be interesting to see what they do with this match. I wouldn't be surprised if he just fucking power bombs MJF four times and pins his ass, and that's the end of the match. Um, and then MJF cuts a promo the next week, and he's like, "I wasn't ready," <laughs> or something. Um, and that'll piss a lot of people off, but it's it's MJF. He'll be fine. The guy can promo his way out of a out of anything, I think. And um, Man, is that is this is that the best storyline in AEW right now? I think so. Yeah, it's it's really good. They've done a good job of building it. So we hopefully this match doesn't have some kind of fuckery, weird fart aspect on it. And and normally I wouldn't say that about AEW, but they did some DQ finishes on the show, which kind of surprised me a bit. Yeah, with Jeff Cobb and that other guy. Yeah. What if, the hell? If, if, if anyone heard Jr. Hey guys, get off of him, man. He really he's obsessed with Jeff Cobb. Has been trying to get him signed to wrestling companies for a long time. 
because of his similarities to Dr. Death. He didn't know who the Great Con was. It's fine, man. Shit happens. Have you seen these photos of Great Ocon on Twitter in Las Vegas? With strippers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Man's out here living his best life. <laughs> Oh man, makes me think something's gonna happen at uh this this pay per view with New Japan. We're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see. All right, so uh, this has become better. I I would say in the last couple of weeks, but I haven't been as into this storyline. I honestly and I, I really like Adam Page. I I just haven't been into Adam Page as much as I probably should be. You know, maybe that's just me losing interest, or maybe that's his booking and stuff like that, but him showing this aggressive side, knowing that he's dealing with this fan favorite, not leaning into being a heel, but being very direct and very aggressive. Uh, the promo, I, I, I just, I, I, I enjoy punk's way of doing it because he does come off condescending. Even when he's saying like, dude, I don't know what your problem is. Like, you know, this is just business. It's like just business motherfucker. This is his title. Like and so I, I like this relationship between the two characters. This is probably the most I will say that they have gotten me into this world championship match was this, you know, back and forth between the two of them. But I have a couple statements that were made by each. Uh Punk would start it off uh with an ending a statement saying, I plan on walking in on Sunday as the challenger and very respectively walking out the champion. And Paige kind of went into how he feels about CM Punk and kind of very similar to Eddie Kingston. How, like, you know, you think that you were so excited to be here, but a lot of us guys that know you from your reputation weren't so excited. But uh, he kind of said at the end of it, there is nothing that you can do to take this away from me and showed he was going in circles a bit, but showed aggression and also showed you know commitment to that um and once again punk said look i don't know why you're getting so mad this is all business to me it's my title shot so it shouldn't be personal and adam page reiterated that he didn't hate punk he almost pitied him and he has no respect for him and what he's done since he's gotten here and he's going to destroy him um and for the first time in my life, I will be defending all elite wrestling from you. So, and that that did not seem to get the uh, the best. Like Punk was pissed. That's that's how you could tell that he he was angry was just from that statement. Uh, those roads. Oh, this is what Punk said to him. Those roads that you traveled to get here, they were paved by me. This house that you built, it was constructed with lumber from trees I chopped down. So. Yeah, man, we got we got a very aggressive back and forth. Uh, like I said, even like when Punk was kind of like telling him to like chill out a little bit, it just came off condescending, which is exactly what Punk does very well. Even if he's pretending or not even pretending, but acting like he's the good guy, he's still coming off kind of like a fucking dick. And Paige, like apparently, you know, storyline wise or whatever, like many don't really like punk kind of having this uh this grandose you know i i am a a martyr for aw sort of sort of thing he hasn't been around since the beginning and he even brought up the fact referring to the sasha and 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 and, uh 
and uh, what's called Naomi thing about like workers' rights, and he's like, you don't care about half the workers back there. They don't give a shit about you, essentially. You know, it's 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 coming off very personal to Adam Page, Chris, and I I'm not being a mark. I'm wondering if partially, just like with Eddie Kingston, if there's any reality to the way he feels, because I know a lot of those wrestlers are happy punks there, but there is a lot of them, and like we've talked about, who's like. Why are you such a moral compass when you fucking left the industry for so long and told us all to fuck off? You know, like, it makes me think that there is a little bit of animosity there. And if not, they're doing a great job providing that element that probably was needed in this feud weeks ago. But they finally kind of, I think, done a good job turning in the last three weeks. What do you think? I think this is the best hangman promo we've gotten in AEW. I think it was really, really good, but it does come off the back of everything that MJF already set up talking about how punk isn't it's the same thing. Like you were shitty, your fans, you just fucking left and now you're going to come back and be this nice guy. I don't believe it. It's the same thing. And it's uh, the same thing that that not only MJF did, but Eddie did right before him. That seems to be the storyline each person against punk brings up. You're absolutely right. And, you know, to some extent, I was that fan that felt that way about CM Punk. One, I didn't think his in-ring work in WWE was all that great and that he was a little bit overrated. But then also, he was notoriously a dick to a lot of people for seven years. Anyone asked him a question about wrestling, even on Twitter or something, he was just a complete asshole about it. Um, So them bringing that into storyline, it makes a lot of sense. It plays into Punk's character. But Punk's character right now is is almost a redemption kind of story. But Hangman Page is the first guy they sign to AEW. He is AEW. It's almost like the, uh, you know, when Sting was the WCW guy, which going into this, you would think that would make, based on the promo, you would think that would make Hangman Adam Page the babyface. But he's just not as over as punk, so it doesn't work, right? Like, it's 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 weird. I thought it was a really good promo by both guys. I'm sure they're going to have one hell of a match. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't really care who walks out champion. It probably should be punk. And uh, as I've said on past episodes, I just really hope it's not punk because I don't necessarily want – them to do Okada versus Punk at Forbidden Door title versus title because I feel like they're just going to do a time limit draw. Whereas if Hangman retains, then you can still do Punk and Okada um, and not necessarily do a title versus title. But good promos. I mean, I'm probably... I'm on the Hangman side, so I know my nieces are going to hate me (laughs) tomorrow (laughs) when when I'm cheering Hangman. Um, I will say this. This is probably, like I said earlier in the show, I think that this AEW run that Punk had is better than anything that he did in WWE, minus his promos. Um, And building up big matches at a a very high level with big opponents. But as far as like his in-ring stuff, and I I know he's done a lot of like Bret Hart homages and shit, but the storytelling and the matches he's been able to have when you take kind of the reins off of them has been a return to form and he to me i i've have more respect for him now than i did then even as he was leaving wwe so you know good on punk but i 
this is going to be the continuation of every storyline from anyone that's an AEW person. Because Punk is the guy they brought in to push the company forward. And to be fair, I mean, he's moved the number a little bit. <laughs> you know what needs to happen? Is either his next person, especially if he becomes champion either now or whatever pay-per-view soon in the future, uh, he needs to go against someone that's not also technically... Like, MJF was different the way they did it, but he needs, like, kind of a... Uh, I don't know if a ruthless heel is very like a Malachi black specifically just the two of them or the opposite concept. If he doesn't go against, he's a big baby face and the other guy's a heel. Let's see CM Punk go back, heel himself and change the uh, direction of his character. Because I think we can all agree that CM Punk, just like how I feel about Christian can put in a hell of a lot more time as a heel and be very uh, used. Well, I will say as that person. And like, I'm sure if you're friends with punk, well, unless you're Colt Cabana, if you're friends with punk, he's probably like a really nice guy in real life. But as you said, even when he's trying to do these promos, he comes off condescending. And I think that's just him. He's like other people be like, that guy's an asshole. But like, if you know him, you'd be like, Oh, he's not that bad. You just gotta give him a chance. Once you get to know him, that seems like punk is that kind of person in real life. And it does come off in his character. So, like, I don't know who the babyface or the heel is going to this match. I do know we're going to get a good fucking match out of these two. I'm kind of curious on what they're going to do because um, Hangman's going to want to do some shit, I'm sure. <laughs> it being a title match. And, uh, uh, man, I, I know that he's had some – Punk's had some good matches, but – Shit, this is this is the the big one. This is main event, top tier. Let's say it goes on at eleven thirty. This is the last thing you're gonna see before the pay per view goes off the air for the title. We will see what happens. Big shoes to fill. There's been a lot of good fucking matches in that top tier. Absolutely, and I'll just I'll, I'll say one more thing because I was thinking about this. So I recently went into a deep dive. Uh, to, Either either one of Jim Cornette's um, shows, him and Brian Last, were watching the uh, the Bret Hart Roddy Roddy Piper match from uh, was WrestleMania in either '92 or '93. I can't remember specifically for the IC Championship. And before I went and did the watch along because I hadn't seen the match in years, I kind of went and tried to find promos building up to it. Brian Last, who was watching heavily at the time since he was younger. Uh, watched a lot of the build-up itself, and there is an element of this that reminds me of this feud. Now, the difference was, with their feud building up to it, you would have Bret Hart win the IC belt from Kurt Henning at SummerSlam. Uh, he would, shortly into his run, because of some bullshit, lose it to the Mountie, which Roddy Roddy Piper came back after years being gone, uh, doing film and whatnot, and would win it from the Mountie, and then at the pay-per-view at WrestleMania, I think it was the third match on the card, and a lot of people say they stole it. After Jake the Snake won against The Undertaker, we had for the IC belt, Bret Hart and Roddy Roddy Piper. Piper came back as a babyface. There was no one that wanted him to be healed, and he was one of the biggest heels beforehand. And it's obviously known within the wrestling industry that 
both guys knew each other outside of this. And Piper knew his dad and his dad helped him out in his career in Canada and whatnot. And Piper kind of just acted like a condescending guy, like kind of downplaying Bret Hart because he was newer to singles wrestling and he was a legend, but would never go over the edge. But you had this kind of, I don't know who to root for. I don't know who the heel is, who the baby face is. And I don't know if this is going to get to the point where one of them is going to piss off. There was a general thought that these guys really had animosity in real life. And even in the last promo where Piper's talking about how when he was younger and his mom used to make sandwiches and she used to skim on the meat, but we would have our bologna sandwiches together and kept on pushing and, and, and messing with Bret Hart and Bret being much more direct and like, you know, you, you abandoned the industry, basically you left and now you want to come back and blah, 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 blah. Even though the championships are flopped, it just, it's given me a very similar style uh, build up with this match. Now I wish that there was, like I said, more build up with them. They seem like they've gotten it down the last three weeks, but you know, hangman man doesn't give a fuck if, if CM Punk is not taking him as seriously or, or trying to act like this is just nothing except for business. This means a hell of a lot more to him. And this is the future of the company. And he is that champion. So he's not going to like, you know, adhere to the fact that CM Punk is this legend that he should respect. He's known him from the past. He's respected him in the past, but now it's, you know, he's in his way. So kudos. I don't think that had anything to do with any type of building or, or storytelling. I know that, Obviously, Punk's a huge fan of Brett and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Those guys kind of build him up to the wrestler he is. But uh, good job getting me invested just a little bit too late on the execution of excellence. Are they going to – so you're saying that Tony should give Vince some fucking money because he also did this with The Rock and Cena. <laughs> so <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's the same. It's the same kind of deal. I, I know exactly the buildup you're talking about, but uh, more recently they did that with Rock and John Cena. Cena's like, I've been here 300 and some odd days. Where the fuck have you been for the past this many years? That was the whole buildup to their their feud. Um, not to the same extent of you know talking about some of the boys in the back don't like you because Cena's not going to do that, but. Uh, it, it's that same kind of buildup. And I, I mean, I do think that there is a subsection of fans in wrestling that still feel that way about Punk uh, to some extent, especially if you followed him on Twitter and watched some of his interviews leading up to UFC fights and stuff. He, he, he almost acted like he was disappointed he was ever a wrestler. Uh, but, I mean, it is what it is. He's back now. He seems like he's in a better spot. And, uh, you know, if you take into account what he went through towards the end of his uh, WWE stint, it to some extent, it's a redemption of him loving wrestling again, which is a fun storyline, which I, I thought they've done a good job of telling. But at the <laughs> same point, like I said, Adam Page was going to be champion day one. <laughs> in the company that was the original idea like he was the guy uh so it took him a while to get there because they obviously um dude from uh what do you call him the the bastard uh pack had that weird thing with the title and then they ended up putting it on jericho because they couldn't do that match and they wanted to save it for the future and then it, it took this long for hangman to have his actual run so 
I, I think it depends on the kind of fan on which way you're going to lean to who you want to win this match. I honestly think Punk is probably the person you should put the belt on. My only worry is when Forbidden Door hits. I, I, like I said, I don't necessarily want a title versus title match. Um, just because neither company is going to, like, New Japan's not going to want Okada to lose to Punk, and AEW's not going to want Punk to lose to Okada. It's, it, it would be better if one of those people don't have the title and they come out and challenge someone the next week or something. Uh, but this match will be a hell of a thing, and I don't know. that The big thing is, like, if Punk wins, you got one rematch with Hangman, even after Forbidden Door, right? And then what's next? Like, who's the next up for Punk? Wardlow? I don't know. Well, my my idea, if if I'm booking it, I think it should be, and I don't know if you if you if you turn him if you just keep him the way he is basically no heel turn. Um, Punk beats Page, keeps the title for a while. Eventually, we go back to the MJF feud. MJF somehow beats CM Punk, gets that title, and then Wardlow ends up taking the title from MJF. That's who I'd probably I know, and that's especially since Kenny is going to be gone for a while. You know, I think those storylines play themselves out, and then you can have the belt involved in them. And honestly, three of the biggest guys right now are CM Punk, MJF, and Wardlow, so you might as well get that more established in the future. Um, I don't know what that says for Paige, but, you know, it's it's even a better comparison with, with Bret Hart. It's like it maybe, maybe Vince at the time should have given Bret a little bit more credit to have the belt, but... He put it on fucking Hulk Hogan real quick out of nowhere at that shitty WrestleMania because he wasn't sure. And eventually he got it back and it became a much bigger uh, commodity within the company. But Paige, I think, can still rebuild himself. This is just more of a trial era. And I just I think there's other people that like MJF, like Wardlow, like Punk, like Danielson uh, that could do a better job with that or, or even Kenny a second time. Yeah, but this is the actual first match we're getting with Wardlow and MJF. Like, that's going to be, they're going to keep that thing going if he beats MJF, right? Tomorrow? Um, so, like, yeah. Who's who's next up? I mean, you got the Forbidden Door, and then after that, who's next up? Or I mean, I guess you could rush through and end the, but AEW tends not to do that. Like, I expect this Wardlow thing to go on another couple months, at least. It depends on what happens if anyone gets involved with Forbidden Door. It's because uh, we do have to set up, like you said, that stuff going forward. So, and I'm I'm still hoping that Tetsuya Naito just kicks MJF in the balls, and that just leads up to a, a wonderful match between those two douchebags, scoundrels. Um. <laughs> stop, stop! Stop ruining stop. my prediction of the House of Black match where Lij just shows up. <laughs> uh, Jay's fine to show up for that too. That that that's that's a fun concept. But let's get back down to this uh this this card. I mean the next match there's not really a lot to talk about. So yeah, they're using that leg falling and whatever, uh, saying that Brian Danielson kind of tweaked his leg. So I guess that's giving him, you know, or the other team members I should say uh, an advantage over him. But we've really awkwardly and we did this beforehand on Rampage had William Regal on commentary and then Chris Jericho with all of his goons behind him. So they would have a little bit of back and forth the whole entire time, just taking insults and shots at each other. 
But, I mean, this was a match where Pride Party was going to get beaten by John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, and it was so short, I don't even remember who was the legal man at that ending because they both choked them the fuck out and just beat the crap out of them. So I'm pretty sure Eddie Kingston was the man, the, the main man in, but we had also, you know, the other person just getting knocked out by elbows from fucking Moxley. So very violent, very evil or wait, that's not it. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, just private just a, party fucking totally just jobbed. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine, dude. And they're, they're they're good for their stuff. I like private party a lot, and they've gotten a hell of a lot better. But that was their role tonight. And uh, Eddie Kingston wearing a Terry Funk, <laughs> which was awesome, uh, tank top, followed by uh, black jorts, uh, very 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 like bright ass blue. Nikes and it looked like compression socks or, or tights underneath everything. Very interesting outfit for Mr. Kingston, but uh, got the job done. Then we had a big old schmoz with the two teams. And did anything happen from there? I can't remember. Was there like a fake injury or just fighting until? Yeah, I think that was it. That was that was pretty much it. So we had a lot of fighting. I like me and Eddie Kingston, minus the compression socks, like basically wear the same thing. <laughs> Just wear uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, and Chris, real quick, Jericho threw a random fireball off this poor guy that had a Moxley shirt on beforehand because he's a wizard. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, we, we talked about the Wordler thing. Shout out to all the independent wrestlers they had come in and take bumps for all this shit on this show. Especially the guy that got powerbombed into the void. That guy is not – they can't find his remains at all. That, that guy's a legend. <laughs> but, yeah, like, they had to go find, like, 30 indie people. They were like, well, Jericho's going to throw a fireball. Wordler's going to whip, <laughs> like, 30 people's ass. <laughs> Like, shout out to all you cats out here, hardworking, that probably will never get the love you deserve. <laughs> but And also, Jericho wanted everyone to know about the fireball again during commentary, because since Eddie Kingston was wearing the Terry Funk shirt, he goes, Eddie's wearing a Terry Funk shirt. And you know what? You know what Terry Funk was one of the first people to do? Put a fireball out, because he's a wizard. So, <laughs> just want to let yeah, you know. The wizard thing is funny, but I'm wondering if they're, if, uh, if they're teasing the branding iron in this brawl, if Kingston's going to pull out a fucking branding iron with fire after him. Come here, it. you son of a bitch. I'm going to burn you on your ass, Jericho. What if Terry Funk comes out and does it for him? That would be great. That'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> that would be the match of the night for me, even if everything else sucked in the match. I'd be like, yeah, but Terry, <laughs> Terry Funk, <laughs> he burnt Jericho's ass, and that was awesome. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Well, that 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 would be like when Greg the Hammer Valentine showed up, just dressed pimp as fuck, and I was like, match of the night. I don't even care about the rest of the match. <laughs> yeah, shit's fucking awesome. All right. Well, uh, uh, we had a match with FTR and Rapongi Vice for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Uh, really good match, actually. I like that. It seemed like FTR put like a little, little, little bit of a fire. Uh, under both uh, members of Rapongi with Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero because they were just talking about, like, leave that joke shit at home. Like, why don't you act like real competitors in their promo the week previous? So it was, dude, 
I mean, all of these guys are fucking good. I really do prefer Trent with, uh, you know, Rocky. I just think that they have great chemistry. Not saying that him and Chuck Taylor don't, but it's just a better look and a better tag team, in my opinion. But uh, they were having a good match, man. And uh, it would kind of come down to, all of a sudden, one of the only no contests in, in, in AEW history when the Great O'Con and Jeff Cobb ran in. Uh, they have a chance to go against for those Ring of Honor titles, I guess. I don't know if that's at the Forbidden Door. I wasn't really sure, or just another New Japan pay-per-view. So they attacked both Rapongi, uh, you know, and also uh, FTR and just beat the living shit out of them. And Jeff Cobb did his amazing tour of the islands. Uh, <laughs> JR, very excited about Jeff Cobb. He was very excited when he first came out and did that one match against Cody a long time ago. Um, and then ended up going to new Japan and had a, basically, I don't know if this is going to change things, but they were going to sign him. He already made commitments to new Japan. He wanted to stay with those commitments and work over there, but he appreciates. So it was a very amicable style thing. They shortly afterwards had him on a match, uh, against Cody, uh, in which he lost, but, Good seeing Jeff Cobb over here. I know that JR is loves this guy ever since he came out of the Olympics representing Guam and always compares him to Dr. Death. He did. He also forgot Great Ocon's name, but I think the funnier part is they have a table set up on the outside and Great Ocon is going to do his whole face choke and is going to lift him up and throw him through the table. But Tremperetta got a little bit excited and decided to do everything for him and just jumped out of his hand and put himself through the fucking table. <laughs> so that was a little bit of an awkward ending. But what are you going to do? Shit happens. And uh, still, I think it, it was cool seeing Jeff Cobb uh, a part of this. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was awkward, Chris. Did you think Tremberetta was like, I don't fucking trust this guy and just left? <laughs> I think he just, I think he just like, thought he was going, and Great Khan still was, like, pausing. So he just did it and said, fuck it. I don't know. That was hilarious. That or maybe he saw that fucking uh, Luchasaurus Ray Phoenix spot and he was like, fuck that. <laughs> Just went for it. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It was also uh, nice having, you know, they've had Ian Riccoboni on the last couple times that they, ha- they had the title involved and uh, they had Caprice Coleman on. So I really hope that they're planning on keeping them whenever they figure out their Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, I think they're both great on the mic. And I think actually for being with three other people, Caprice did a good job getting in and out and just showing off how excellent he is as a sports broadcaster and in the last couple of years as a pro wrestling uh, broadcaster. So I enjoyed uh, listening to him. Yeah, we t- we talked about that when we did the review of that Ring of Honor pay-per-view. The commentating team on that's just fucking incredible. Like, I think they're really, really good. Um, Agreed. But uh, yeah, it is still funny to watch or listen to Taz and Excalibur. <laughs> that that's my that would be my go-to. They should be it should just be Taz and Excalibur <laughs> calling matches at this point, uh, just because it's so damn funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a setup. I think they might do New Japan versus uh, Ring of Honor titles at that Forbidden Door because they're going to have some New Japan stuff in between. So you could have New Japan champions versus Ring of Honor champions, and I'm sure New Japan would love to have FTR over there for a little bit. Um, Absolutely. 
as dual champions. And if they're working out a working relationship, I don't think that's that big of a deal. If And FTR has openly said they wanted to be New Japan champions. Um, yep. Because, like, you know, all of the good tag teams, they have, like, both. They have, like, the championship well, they're going, America in Japan. So. They're going for, uh, I think I heard them talking about it, but they're kind of going, if they don't realize it, which I'm sure they do, having the most champions and major companies beating the Dudleys, because the Dudleys pretty much had titles everywhere. But they're doing a damn good job of it, man. If they get the IWGP, they are japan's basically biggest fucking champions and mexico's with the triple a titles i don't think anyone's ever done that held them at the same time and they've won every fucking thing else everywhere they would just need to get like what nwa and the impact ones and call it a day like yeah but the dudleys what did they had like i'm because they combine their reign so it's like a stupid number Across well, it's all like companies. I can't set, they were the only ones to hold, even though they were WWF's version, they were the only ones to hold at one part the ECW champions, the WWE champions, and the WCW championships. And then plus that, you have the Impact, you have the NWA, you have uh, the IWGP at one time. It's it's ridiculous, man. I think the Hardys have the most. No, no, no. The Hardys don't have the most anymore. Who does? Is it the New Day? I can't remember the most title reigns in W uh, in WWE history. W- yeah, I think it is the New Day, but I mean that that number is always a weird one for me because that just means you lost the titles the most. Yeah, the more important one with the New Day is like we held that some bitch for 465 days or however Eating long. Demolitions. They, yeah, like that's a more important number. Uh, but yeah, like holding it across all the companies, that's crazy. It'd be really funny if they do that. And then the storyline is the young bucks, like just starts naming titles from various countries that don't exist. <laughs> Cause that seems like a very young bucks <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yep. Uh, I agree. But, but yeah, that, uh, I, I think that's going to end up being title, like tag titles versus tag titles. And then probably FTR winning and maybe going to Japan for a little bit. That'd be awesome, dude. I'm completely uh, that that would be a lot of fun, actually. Um, but all right, let's let's move on. Uh, next, we had a three-way dance. We had uh, representing all their tag teams for this tag team championship match. Three-way that's going to be happening at Double or Nothing. We had Jungle Boy, Swerve Strickland, and Ricky Stacks. All these fucking guys were doing great, man. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into some of my favorite moves and the the cool aerial stuff, but Ricky fucking Starks. So <laughs> he's got Shane Strickland on the outside. This is right before it goes to commercial break, mind you. Uh, he And he's on top of the apron, and he goes to fall down and stomp him on the head. But he obviously comes, you know, much like how Flair and other wrestlers would go to do the knee to the face, but, like, come right, fall right near their ear, basically, a lot of times. And sometimes with certain wrestlers, they would just fucking nail you on the head. But... It just depended on the person. So he doesn't, you know, Swerve sells it, and uh, Ricky kicks him again in the face right afterwards. Some guy goes, you missed. Dude, you missed. And he said, right on cue. And we missed it just by a couple seconds of what he said. I wish that your dad would have missed your mother when she came all or when he came all over her. 
you idiot or some shit like that. It's like, damn, because if you listen to the audio, the people that, that don't have cable and they have like some type of like, I don't know, through fight TV or some satellite where you don't have to listen to commercials, you get to see what happens between then, like just says it right on cue, just shuts the guy up. Even like everyone around him's like, Oh, and like goes back to Excalibur and he's like that, that terrible, just foul-mouthed Ricky Starks. I can't believe him. But I, dude, I, did, I laughed my ass off, Chris, on that. That was a, that was a pretty funny. Um, you're on mute, sir. God damn it! Sorry. Uh, yeah, that shit's hilarious. They should. I wish that was on the U.S. version. Because it's really funny. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Ricky Starks, but he's definitely grown on me. Uh, To me, uh, the turnaround was when him and Will Hobbs were cutting those promos on the the bash at the beach, which was in Michigan. (laughs) 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 It's not even a beach. (laughs) Tony Schiavone was out there with a microphone and Hobbs had the big fur coat on, but no shirt. I think that's like that was the turning point, and then he had like a couple of a couple of really good matches in a row. But yeah, I think I've turned the corner on Ricky Starks. I think I'm a I think I'm a Team Taz guy going into this pay per view. Not gonna lie, dude. Just excellent match between the three guys that obviously are the more aerial and just just have more abilities because the other guys are the big guys, which we can't wait to see them clash as well. But you know, Jungle Boy looked good in it. I love Swerve Strickland. I'm very high on him. Um, I have been for a long time. I just think that when it comes to agility, finesse, he is on his way, if he keeps on going and doing the things he's doing, to a level, I think, (coughs) maybe a modern level. And I'm not saying he's at that same level right now, but that I would put an AJ Styles, you know, possibly a Shawn Michaels, that type of. The, the things he can do with his body, just like just like those spots where I think someone gave him an enziguri, and usually this looks like shit, and he was able to grab the leg and actually throw it, so it made sense that he threw the guy off and also nailed the fuck out of the other person with it. Uh, some of those moves are not, you know, to make him look good, like where he basically got Jungle Boy, had him up for a powerbomb, then saw someone was running at him, and then used him, and Jungle Boy came on top of Ricky Starks and gave him a fucking Hurricane Rana. That stuff can look terrible very easily. And I thought all of these guys transitioned through them. And, uh, yeah, it was just a a, a pretty good match. And uh, we had a big confrontation at the end. Uh, Swerve Swerve won. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was was a good match, man. I'm looking forward to seeing the three teams go against each other. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like the match a lot, and I'm excited for. I'm actually excited. I'm more excited for the pay per view match after watching that, honestly. So that's that's what a go home show really should be. And uh, yeah, I'm on Team Taz. The nieces love Swerve though, so I'm just gonna get more heat <laughs> tomorrow when we're watching this pay per view, which will be great. Trying to get that heat with the nieces, man. Oy, oy, oy. All right. Um. I like the promo that the Hardys cut backstage. I like how they they dug into 
you know, Matt's just always been, I, I would say, the guy on the mic between the two of them, but just cutting into the Young Bucks, and they were talking about their similarities and how it just kind of ends with their upbringing, the fact that they're brothers, the fact that they're both, you know, reckless high flyers, you know, just how the Hardys are on a different level than them. And, uh, yeah, we get a really good response from the Young Bucks that we'll talk about from Rampage last night. But, um, I mean, I'm excited about this match. Jeff still looks like he's in so much fucking pain. So there is that. But, oh, yeah, and I, I definitely wanted to mention, because I see it written down in my notes, that Lee, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do a corkscrew drive to the outside and you legitimately look like you knocked fucking Powerhouse a Hobbs the fuck out, um, maybe save it for the pay-per-view. But who knows? Maybe he's going to do uh, whatever the, the fucking – Terminator flip divey thingy that Kenny does and sometimes Seth does because he does do that. I don't know if you should do it then, but that was fucking gnarly as shit. And uh, yeah. Um, what, what did, what did you think about the promo from the Hardys? And what did you think about uh, Keith Lee when he was outside fighting, just doing that uh corkscrew springboard to the fucking outside and annihilating everyone? The biggest thing I remember from the promo is that, like, Matt said on Sunday, you guys are going to be the elite. You're just going to be deleted, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Um, that's going to be a really good match. Hopefully no one dies. <laughs> Can we get the uh. chance? Please don't die. Please don't die going because uh, I mean we've seen these guys in, in the past but it's been years since they've had a match against each other I'm sure it'll be really good and and they'll work around if Jeff's beat up they'll work around it just means Matt's gonna sell <laughs> forever which is not also not good for him because he's not moving the best either but hey it's the Bucks I'm sure they'll make a good match out of it in fact this might actually be good for them because they will do less than they normally would and, and maybe focus a little bit more on the actual storytelling of the match. Um, and it, and it's a big main event young bucks match and they always go a hundred percent. So I'm sure the match will be very good. Uh, yeah. The spot you're talking about was absolutely insane <laughs> by the way. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, I, I guess we'll get into full predictions later, but I, I, I like, I like that we get Hardy's versus the bucks. It was fun the last time they did in Ring of Honor. So when the Hardys were the belt collectors, remember that? That was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right, we had two backstage things uh, ahead of our women's uh, finals tournament with the Owen Hart Foundation. Um, first, we had Dan Lambert <laughs> promised to unveil uh, Scorpio Sky's new TNT championship at Rampage. We'll get more to that once we get done with this and move on to Rampage. Thunder Rosa joined Tony Schiavone for a promo. Uh, she didn't have makeup on. She wanted everyone to look her at her actual face, that when she goes to the ring, she'll be wearing her war makeup to take out Deeb, that she respected Deeb, but, you know, just pretty, uh, pretty strong promo. And I think she had the crowd over, and I think that everyone thought she ended, and she didn't. And when they hit the music... You saw on her face, like, what the fuck? So I don't know if it was a production error or if Tony said go home or if everyone thought she was done. But she cut the rest of her promo uh, with 
probably no one being able to hear shortly afterwards before they split. So this is uh, this doesn't have a lot of soul in it with this whole entire uh, feud, but the match itself is probably going to be one of the better matches based on the fact that it's Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. But uh, just kind of that awkward ending kind of kind of fucked it up, I would say, Chris. I think you're still muted, sir. Yeah, I want to say I'm, I just feel bad for Scorpio Sky. You give the guy a title run, then it's like covered in top of all this crap that a lot of people don't care about in an intergender tag match, and now you're going to have a new title. Uh, yeah, I could really care less on in what happens on that match. Uh, the Thunder Rosa, Serena Deebs. The actual Thunder Rosa pr- program was a little weird because she was talking about how Serena Deebs made her have plastic surgery at one point, if I remember correctly. She was saying that she almost considered breast implants because she knew that Serena ended up doing that to get herself to another level in WWE, and her husband told her not to. That she's beautiful the way she is. She is, and so is Serena Deep. So it was just weird that that kind of just randomly got thrown out there as a shot. It's irrelevant to their wrestling storyline, but okay. And then uh, what you're saying, I think that was clearly like, yo, we're live, pal. Kind of thing. You know, Her facial expression was hilarious. She was like, uh. Yeah, Tony Khan's like, I got 14 matches on this paper. You guys can't. <laughs> You're going to have to learn to wrap it up. Uh, I think that was more of what happened there is that they're just like, we got to go commercial talk. <laughs> Don't got room for this. All right. Um, the Owen Hart Foundation Women's Tournament semifinals. With Tony Storm and Dr. Britt Baker. Um, so she wouldn't let Jamie Hayter come out, but then Jamie Hayter came out anyways. But then it, she could have been the one who helped her win the match, but she didn't because Britt just did it herself. All right, well, I guess she still did it herself, but she still cheated, but whatever. Uh, both ladies had a pretty good match. I was just very surprised by the ending. Um, I guess we we're setting up Storm and. Uh, and Britt Baker in the future in some way. But, uh, you know, Britt's going against, we can, we, we can reveal it, is going to be going against Ruby Soho. And the last time they went against each other, she beat Ruby, and I, I'm pretty sure fucked her over. So this will be interesting in the finals on what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, backstage, uh, Red Velvet provided Ruby Soho uh, some intel on her semifinal round opponent, Chris Statlander. Soho tossed aside... The notebook, she, uh, she's very dedicated, uh, Red Velvet. A whole notebook of information against her opponent. Whatever. She gave it to her, but admitted she will keep some of the info in mind. So maybe Soho's going to do what she has to do in order to win. And uh, she kind of did. But uh, well, how'd you like this match with Storm and Baker? And uh, Britt Baker pulling the ropes. Uh, no help from Jamie Hayter, but... I don't know what the fuck the point was with that little subplot shit, but uh, what would you think? Man, what a weird finish to the match. Uh, I thought the rest of the match was pretty good, but then like they brought out Jamie Hayter because she might do a heel turn, and then she didn't get involved in the match at all, and then like the slowest roll-up of all time. 
<laughs> basically happened. It was weird. Up until that, it was a good match. And, uh, I mean, I think everyone was expecting Adam Cole and Britt Baker to be in the finals regardless. I don't know that both of them are going to win their matches, and I'll give my predictions on that a little later. But, uh, yeah, it was fine. Like, Tony Storm, I guess it sets up whatever they want to do with her in the future. I mean, she lost with a roll-up and, and ropes involved, plus Jamie Hayter coming out. So it, at least they tried to keep her strong. It's just it's weird to see this mindset in AEW where they're doing shit like this. It's getting very uh, sports entertainment on this episode of <laughs> AEW Dynamite. Yep, absolutely. All right, we move on to the last match. We had Samoa Joe, Kyle O'Reilly, the Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament semifinal match. Uh, the winner of this would be going against Adam Cole at double or nothing. But uh, this, this is a fun match, man. You have both hybrid wrestlers that were two of the guys, especially Samoa Joe, to really implement MMA style uh, into professional wrestling. Um, I guess you could say Ken Shamrock, a lot of those guys that were both, but actually where other wrestlers started doing it that didn't have MMA training. But, um, yeah, just even though Kyle's smaller, he's quicker. Samoa Joe's older. You know, he's more agile, and his strikes are still, I mean, the ones that he's throwing look fucking lethal, especially the palm strikes. And Samoa Joe would be able to get, a, you know, get him and, and rough him up, but Kyle was very resilient. There was lots of ways for um, – you know, uh, Kyle to get in and out and be able to take out certain aspects of Samoa Joe. I love that Samoa Joe did this thing where um, I love that he throws his whole body to take out the legs of O'Reilly, like just rolls him over and shit like that. And just just a really cool spot. But, you know, this would come down to inevitably at the end, Samoa Joe getting the Kahina clutch on Kyle O'Reilly, choking his ass out. And we had Adam uh, Cole come out to the apron um, or to the uh, front stage uh, with his music and just kind of have a stare off with Samoa Joe. They have never gone against each other. I'm really looking forward to this match. This could be a show stealer, depending honestly between these two guys. Yeah. I, I thought the Kyle Riley match with Samoa Joe was uh, very good. I think I probably would just had, Joe win faster and and more dominantly uh, going into this Adam Cole match, just because I feel like everyone has Adam Cole pegged to win this thing anyways. But outside of that, I mean, Adam Cole and Samoa Joe should be a really good match. I'm just concerned on what time are they going to give them. Um, also, Joe is the king of like, when you're talking about those palm strikes, there's this very pissed off face that Samoa Joe makes when he gets hit by something. <laughs> That's just the absolute best. Uh, I, I probably would have booked Joe completely different leading up to this in general. Uh, coming, you know, out of nowhere, I, I probably would have had Joe is going to kill you kind of Samoa Joe instead of doing like him and Suzuki chopping the shit out of each other, which was fine. And, and some of the other matches they had leading up to this, but uh, I don't know. I like Samoa Joe a lot. They need to put that man on the mic. I wish they would have done this. If you're going to do a match with him and Adam Cole, that would have been a really fun promo battle. 
instead of it in a tournament, but uh, it is what it is. It should be a really good match. I think that they're going to get killed on time, though. Just crunched out. Yeah, unfortunately, um, because, like, whoever – you're going to have the – when they win these, they're going to give the trophy out, too. So that's adding into the time of whatever their mat, their spot's going to be. Right? Yep. So I agree. So I, I, you know, I think that match might go 10 minutes. I could be wrong. Maybe they're like fucking Samoa Joe and Adam Cole's like, fuck you, hangman. <laughs> We're going 30 minutes, <laughs> which I would be down with. I, I want to see a 30 minute Samoa Joe, Adam Cole match. Like the fact that they slightly missed each other in NXT is super frustrating. And then when Joe came back, it's like, God damn it. <laughs> they just, so at least we're finally getting the match, right? That's good. Absolutely. But uh, good stuff. Good setup. I mean, the, the show itself definitely has a tendency to cram a lot in it. That's kind of been a reoccurring theme with AEW, but at the same time, you set up a lot. Uh, and, you know, we move on to Rampage and another night of setting up some stuff. So we had the first match start off Matt Seidel going against Brian Danielson. Uh, both guys have known each other for a very long time. The whole concept of of both being kind of, you know, similar in philosophy, but one, when it looks to wrestling, thinks peace, love, and wrestling, which makes absolutely no sense, but that's been Matt's gimmick for a while, but Brian's violence equals everything. So you had a very cool contrast. And obviously Seidel has always been more of the high-flying guy. Brian Danielson, while having speed and agility, he's been more of the technical guy. Um, and Matt basically has kind of like formed more of a uh, producer sort of role, training, getting other guys better, which is good, but you know, still can put on good matches. Uh, I like Brian Danielson. He's successful at making kind of uh, putting his 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 technical work. And doing heel-like stuff, but he's still getting cheered by everyone because of how violent he is, and that's the whole theme of this. Um, I love how he got him in the uh, surfboard submission, and instead of you know giving him the the dragon screw uh, headlock, he just started fucking just nailing him with forearms, um, and uh, catching Seidel as he attempted a jumping uh, kick, uh, you know just. He just looked like a badass, and by the end of it, he won, and uh, he was declared victor. He was also selling his leg throughout the whole entire thing, and Matt Seidel definitely went after that leg, uh, and you know, so they're keeping that a part of it from him, quote unquote, getting it stuck or not getting it stuck. I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. And uh, this was a good TV match. Uh, it was competitive. Matt Seidel gave a good amount of offense, and he's got credibility to be able to do so. But Brian Danielson, uh, you know, dominated him for a majority of the time. And, uh, you know, good stuff. What would you think, Chris? Yeah, it was a good little match. Is Matt Seidel their Dolph Ziggler? In a lot of ways, that could be a good comparison, yeah. Because it does seem like they throw them against guys. They want to have a good match. I was surprised to see Dolph back. So, or not Dolph. <laughs> God damn it. See, now I'm doing it. Uh, I, w- I was surprised to see Seidel back. Didn't he just have like a major leg injury not that long ago at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view? He's all 
cast it up. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about it. That was like a only a month and a half, two months ago. So, I mean, good for him. I thought this was a really good match. And, uh, yeah, it's weird. The peace, love, and wrestling versus violence. But then also Daniel Bryan's the vegan who's very eco-friendly. They're both hippies, you know? <laughs> yeah, but one's a violent hippie. So it's like Charles Manson versus uh, Tommy Chong in this match, I guess. Oh, dude, there was another part <laughs> I just remembered when – it was um, fucking uh, Matt Seidel was going for Meteora and Danielson literally grabbed him and fucking countered it into a single leg crab. Like, God damn, Brian Danielson's so good. So is Seidel. They're both fucking great. I knew that Matt, uh, they, that seemed like a match they threw together because they were like, we need a really good match on Rampage. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they delivered. I mean, both those guys are fucking great. Um. I, I wish they would – who was Seidel's tag partner they had him with for a while? I wish they would bring that back. His brother. Um, yeah. The Seidel brothers. Yeah. I forgot what his name is, but – and he's good. He's younger too. Yeah, it would be cool to see them back, especially if they're doing a Ring of Honor show. I, I would expect them to have a tag team division as well. It would be really Dude, cool. Or, the Seidel brothers versus the Hardy brothers? Come on, man. They'll have some sure. fun. Yeah. but You know the Hardys the are meantime, going over. <laughs> that's the finish you know the hardies are going o- over brother <laughs> it's a very hulk hogan way of saying it brother but brother. yeah like uh uh yeah i mean this this was a great opening match i thought it was a lot of fun I uh, yeah. the knee the knee gimmick i mean it would mean more if they were wrestling a normal match but this is anarchy and whatever <laughs> it's gonna be a brawl it's going to be people hitting sh- people with shit. So I don't know why Brian's leg is going to be important in this. Plus Jericho is out here being a wizard or whatever. He's a wizard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It'd be different if you like, you know, busted Brian's leg and then he had to wrestle Jericho in a match and with a bum knee, you know, like a, like Dusty Rhodes ask or something, but if the lead up is like a five versus five brawl, I don't know that his knee's super important. Yeah, no, I agree with you. All right, well, probably my favorite thing about last night. Uh, good job to the Young Bucks for getting some heat, man, because uh, we know that they have a tag match. They're going against uh, Taylor Rust and John Cruz. I know that Taylor's been there for a minute. He used to be in NXT. I think he was part of the Diamond Mine, actually, before he left. But uh, kid's got a great look, and um, I'm assuming that he might be someone there pivoting towards a Ring of Honor, you know, startup. And that's why you keep on seeing him. Didn't really know who John Cruz were. It didn't matter. Because what mattered was we hear the Hardys music. And out comes the Young Bucks. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, Matt Jackson is now Matt Hardy, has the same black outfit design shirt with the black gloves going up, and he's doing the deletes and deletes. Fucking Nick Jackson is Jeff Hardy. He's got his red face paint, the same exact look, although his face paint kind of looks like Vader's mask instead, just to be, I think, a smartass about it. And they're doing the whole entire shtick. Uh, they have Gangrel with them, which was really interesting. Uh, <laughs> this is shit so stupid. And Brandon Cutler is dressed up, videotaping the whole thing, 
dressed in one of Lita's outfits with the thong coming out of the pants on both sides. Uh, Just fucking ridiculous. Uh, Basically, they beat uh, Tyler Rust and John Cruz, um, you know, doing hearty signature moves and shit like that. They even had a part where Matt was going to go off the top rope, but his knees were bothering him, so he kind of climbed back down very gingerly and slowly and then got them with the twist of fate followed by the uh, Swanton bomb and were uh, basically turned on Gangrel. We're about to take him out and give the, uh, the double V trigger. And the Hardys actually did come out, hit the ring. Um, and uh, yeah, they defended Gangrel, picked him up. And, you know, I, like Jeff was, it, it looked like he said to him, like, hey, what the hell, Gangrel? He's like, dude, I got paid. So that was his reasoning. That's why he did it. But didn't expect to get his ass kicked. I thought all of this was hilarious. I fucking loved it. And it finally put a little more pep into this. Uh, once again, I mean, it has been much buildup, but they were able to get th- this looked pretty funny because if they're going to be hardy cosplayers, they might as well really just go fully committed to it. I thought it, Brandon Cutler in a fucking thong. Jesus fucking Christ, man. <laughs> I thought this was funny, but also I felt like, <laughs> can I get some WWE? Nah, we got WWE at home. <laughs> kind of shit. <laughs> That's your build. This is your build up to the pay-per-view. The serious wrestling company, the the one that all the indie darlings are supposed to crowd around. This kind of shit. This is how you're going to build the match. Yeah, Looking dude. at you, AEW fans that hate WWE. <laughs> it's, did you, gold, do you bro. do you see <laughs> Vince? Vince saw this and was probably laughing. He's like, ah, see, I'm not that out of touch. Huh? <laughs> Prove it. I'm right. I mean, this was really funny, and it only works because it's the Young Bucks and the Hardys. But, uh, yeah, man, these two shows, like I said, got very sports entertainment. What kind of meeting did they have with Discovery and uh, <laughs> Warner, by the way? Was it like Zavzlav, more like WWE? <laughs> Zavzlav is talking to Tony Khan on the phone. He's like, hey, do you understand the concept of uh, sports entertainment? Tony's like, oh shit, god damn it, he's heard about it. <laughs> he's he saw raw. It this is fine for a one-off, but it makes me very scared. <laughs> well, we'll have to find out. Uh I don't think and this was funny as shit too, this really uh helped. Uh but Dante Martin is in the ring and the newly uh gun club uh acclaim group, uh if you will. <laughs> You know, Max Caster is going against Dante Martin. Max doing his whole rap <laughs> down the thing, just insulting Dante Martin, making fun of the fact that his brother's on the shelf again. And uh, we had a pass of the mic first. Um, first ass boy, ass boy number one tries to do it, but he fucks up. He doesn't say Las Vegas. He says Los Angeles. His brother, tall ass boy number two, grabs the mic. This is the exact same thing. And Anthony Bowen, Billy goes and grabs it and gives it to Anthony Bowen, who's in a wheelchair. He just got surgery done. And he does his, yeah, Los Angeles, the acclaim has arrived. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. There was a lot of uh, finger, you know, gestation, you know. Um, and <laughs> these guys are fucking ridiculous. <laughs> 
But uh, <laughs> I love that they can't figure out what kind of handshake they want to do. <laughs> Like so they're, they're just like, scissoring. Just, like they're like, no, you can't do that. So they just start scissoring, <laughs> scissoring each other. It just, it, I can I, now I'm gonna sound like Jim Cornette because I'm dropping his South Park reference. He's like, so what do you do? You just, Mr. Garrison, you just kind of scissor, <laughs> scissor me timbers. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny, but also, once again, this is supposed to be the serious wrestling show. But it's so funny, dude. This group together is absolutely gold, and I love it. And, I mean, I got to be honest with you. When, when it's stuff like this or stuff like, you know, Kevin Owens with Gable and fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, Otis or, you know, any any anything like that they can do, that stuff is funny. It's when you have, like, the 24-7 titles or you have some stupid fucking character that no one gives a shit about, you know, trying to be funny. That's when I, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But this shit's funny. This shit's funny as hell. And then they have a good Dane, match, the, man. Dane, the ass boys are a gateway drug. <laughs> they are a gateway. They're very, they're very ass, very evil. I like, I like that Danhausen got these guys over by calling them the ass boys, basically. Who, who would think so? that wouldn't work? <sighs> They did have a really uh, good match, though. <laughs> yeah, one thing I will say, and I appreciate uh, Max Caster trying to do a little bit more, and he's getting better in the ring, and we've said that for a while, but he's a tall dude. He's got a great elbow drop, but he fell in such an awkward way when he tried, like when it, Daniel got out of the way, that he basically kind of like collapsed from one foot to his knee, and it looked pretty fucking gnarly. Like, you know, don't pull a. Don't pull something, bro, or do something like that. But he's got a good elbow drop. But then Dante Martin, shortly after that, got his uh, springboard to the springboard to the backflip for the one, two, three. And, uh, yeah, good uh, good match between the two guys. Yeah, so what I think happened on the elbow drop is the guy was too close. So he, he just had to awkwardly try to, landed? Because he, yeah, he just tried to, he tried to reposition in midair. Um, I'll have to go back and watch it again, but, like, position wise like you want the elbow drop not in the center but like two or three feet out if you're trying to do like the macho man where it looks really cool in midair um i've seen sean do similar stuff like that on a rollout where someone was in the right spot so i'm assuming that's kind of what happened with that but yeah he he ate he kind of ate shit on that one um yep all right the last match that we had from Rampage last night. Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander. Um, this is a really good match, man. Uh, the, the the setup for it with Mark Henry, Ruby Soho putting so much. She's such a, she's such a, uh, I, I hate saying naive babyface, but one of those babyface that are always like, you know, I respect this person so much and this and this, and we're just going to have a match. And if I beat you, you know, trying to drum up that concept when the week or a couple days ago previously she did grab a you know some notes about uh Chris Atlander's weaknesses and things to do and now trying to reverse that and trying to put her over and Chris Atlander's like I love this new version of her she's like she's no nonsense it's almost like this is more kind of like what Thunder Rosa was saying this this is more like fucking war paint then I'm an alien and she looks great. They both look great. They have an excellent match. Um, the crowd is very split between them. It's aggressive. 
there's a lot of technicality involved. Um, but you know, from the win, try, I'm trying to get down to what ended the thing. It she didn't hold anything, but she did like what 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 did she do that was kind of devious? What did Ruby Soho just like plant her and and pull her in a pin, uh, a, a roll up or something? Because the crowd just fucking went off on her afterwards, and they were booing her, and she was even apologizing for the method in which she had to do. But I didn't see her. Is it because she's so baby faced? She's still not even supposed to roll her up and take advantage of that. Like, is that really a heel maneuver? But she no, had I, think the, I think the I think the crowd was just pissed that it was a roll up finish, and they're also a lot of people really like Chris Statlander a lot. Well, we're I, gonna get this. I didn't see the uh, fucking like anything heel about the way she. I, I might have to go back and re. I've only watched it once, but I didn't see anything like. It's not like she grabbed the tights or anything. No. So she I, did, I don't she know. She didn't use the rope. Well, we have um, we have Britt Baker come up to the ramp. She's about to cut a promo. Ruby cuts her off. Basically, you know, tells her how much she doesn't like her and really rips into her. She's apologizing to the crowd for, you know, she's saying that, like, you know, if, if I won the way I did with Chris Statlander, you know, imagine what I'm going to do to you with someone I don't like. I'm going to I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to win this contest sort of thing. This will be the second match. She obviously had a title match against her from winning that um, was the battle royal or whatever she lost. So this is the second match between the two. And now another major thing, not the title this time, but the winner of the women's Owen Hart tournament. So I'm looking forward to this match. I thought they had good chemistry the last time they went against each other. I didn't expect Chris Statlander to win for two reasons. One, she, you know, when she talked about this in the promo, she wasn't even supposed to be a part of this. So her career, she'd have lost or got hurt and she had to step in. That makes me think. Why would she go all the way to the finals if that was the case? Unless Kurashita was supposed to, but obviously not. And second of all, Lars uh, accidentally uh, revealed that she was going to be playing Ruby Soho's song live with Rancid at the uh, the uh, show this weekend in an interview that he did. So I think he might have given that away. So I heard about that as well. So um, <laughs> cool. Cool. <Fuck>. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out drunk punk rockers are not <laughs> the best at keeping secrets, Dane. No, not at all. <laughs> so we'll we'll have fun with that, man. But uh, good good match. Uh, Chris it was Statlander, a good match. though. It, she she might have lost the tournament. She might not have been involved originally in it, but she made herself look way better throughout the course of this with all of her promos. And I like the new direction that she's going with her character. Just wanted to say that. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons that she was the one that was inserted here is because that whole thing with Red Velvet, her and Layla Hirsch, Layla Hirsch uh, tore her ACL. So she's going to be out for four or five months Um, in a dark match. It never aired, apparently, but I heard the injury news on that. So if you need to throw someone in this randomly, it would be Chris Statlander. And uh, from that crowd reaction, I don't know, maybe give her a fucking push. People really yeah. have taken to this darker version of Chris Statlander. I personally like the alien version of Chris Statlander. Boo. I don't know. I don't know if she needs to be a part of the best friends, but I did like the cute little nose boop, and they need that kind of baby face. 
Because right now, outside of Thunder Rosa, they just have a bunch of dastardly heels. And I guess Ruby Riot. Um, but the fact Rancid's playing and Adam Cole is also in the main event, and I have Adam well, we'll get into the predictions, but uh, I don't think they're going to do both of them winning. So I think Ruby might win this tournament. All right. Well, let's talk about that before we get out of here. We went over the lineup. There's hopefully no more matches uh, getting added to this because that would be fucking crazy. Uh, I'm going to watch the uh, Road 2 special that they had on TNT, or maybe it was TBS last night. Um, but a lot of good matches. Let's go over our predictions. Like I always let everyone know, I'm re- reading Wikipedia. The pre- pre-show match, I think, is true. I don't know if any of these other matches, like the next couple, could also be on the pre-show. But I'm just going by what it says. The rest of it is not in order. Uh, it's just how they have it listed. So, first match, pre-show match, official. Hookhausen, Hook and Danhausen versus Tony Nese. And Smart Mark Sterling. I'm going with Hookhausen for all the obvious reasons. I think that there is a good chance that Smart Mark Sterling is going to get out of it and have, like, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Two-team with Nice, that's a good chance for that. But I also think that Danhausen is going to be able to show his switch when it comes to in-ring ability and actually be able to display it. Um, and uh, we're going to see a pretty good match with uh, this tag team going against Tony Nice and Smart Mark Sterling. But this is obviously a way just to get Hook Cows in a quick, fun win against the other team. I think Hookhausen gets the win pretty quickly, and then we get the major marks. That's my prediction. Zack Ryder himself, he's showing up. Ooh, calling out those guys, dude? I love that idea. It's, it's I mean... If they're going to start calling him Mad Mark Sterling, you're already drawing the conclusion that eventually they're going to show up. And they show up everywhere, so wouldn't be surprised. Fucking them backing up those? Yeah, I like that idea. That would be a lot of fun. And that would be some good tag matches with the NWA champion and Brian Myers himself. Let's do it. All right, so the next match, Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. This is going to be a... It's kind of a sleeper match, man, but this could be really fucking good. Um, you know, based on Darby Allen, I believe losing a couple times. I know Kyle has as well, but he progressed within that tournament. I'm going to go with Darby Allen getting the win and, you know, sticking up for Sting and, 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 you know, Kyle hurting him. But these guys should have a pretty fucking good match, I would say. Yeah, I think Darby's going to get the win here, and then after, he's going to have to run off some nerds with a baseball bat, channel his inner sting, which would be great. That would be cool. This this should be a very good match. I don't think it's going to be as long as people necessarily would want out of this match, but I think it'll be a very good match. All right, the next match, I think, I don't know, it's pretty easy of who I think is going to win, but Jay Cargill... She's having her second match with Anna Jay, who was at the top of the standings. They kind of put this together really fucking quick and out of nowhere. Uh, Anna Jay and her had a good match, actually. I remember that at the time. Um, her putting on a good match with her, but she inevitably loses to Jade. Um, I don't know if Jade had the championship on her at that point. This is for the TBS title, but there's no way in fucking hell 
I don't care if there's baddies involved or not that Jay Cargill is losing that championship belt. Yeah, I made this prediction on uh, uh, Tom's uh, main event yesterday. I feel like Jade's going to win this, and the only person that's going to be able to take it off is if you bring in like a unsuspecting opponent that they can tell the storyline of unscouted, which would be like an Ember Moon or something. Or you know, if you're going to do a Japanese crossover, like a Carrie Carrie Hojo, Carrie Zane type person to actually take that thing off of her, it's not Anna J. She's not built well well enough to be the TBS champion, so I, I feel like the streak is going to continue here with Jade. Oh, and you know what? That's a good uh, point. We have the TBS championship match. We have um, the Women's World uh, Championship match. You know, whoever wins for whatever, there's still some floaters out there. I think everyone's pretty much gotten a seat of where they are, uh, but there's still two people in general – One's a Candice LeRae, one's an Ember Moon. Do we expect in either of these matches, Chris, one of them to potentially come out to kind of make it known they're here and they want that title, which they're very known for in AEW to do at Double or Nothing? In this particular match, yes. I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I, I think there will be a challenger. Um, Maybe a Kari Hojo? That Are would be saying? really cool. That would be really cool. Um, I know she just worked a stardom show, so I don't know if she would be able to come over that quickly. I mean, Ember Moon would be great. And if you're just going to go for, like, a power match, you could, I mean, Jordan Grace is out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Deanna like, Peraza. Uh, Deanna would be great. She's already done uh, done a couple matches there. She didn't have the title restrictions anymore so you can could let her run wild that'd be fun uh but yeah they're gonna have to bring in someone that jade hasn't beat because she's literally beat the shit out of everyone except for ruby soho i think ruby's the only one that had like an actual competitive match with her i'll throw two more out there just because there's been rumors that she might come back and it might not be for wwe and also another legend that's been making rounds except for in aew what about for either the champion or for the uh, the TBS champion, a Mickey James or even potentially Alita? Alita would be awesome. Um, Mickey Mickey James would be really cool too. I don't know that that's the one I would have beat Jade Cargill though. No, I think either would would possibly just be a person for Jade to beat, but. Or even if it's against Thunderosa, if she wins, or or against um, uh, who is Thunderosa going against? Oh, Serena Deeb. I don't think Serena, Serena Deeb's going to win. Yeah. Yeah, I but mean, it's um, interesting things you can do. Yeah, Ember and uh, Johnny Gargano's wife, whose name's escaping me. Right Candice now. LeRae. Candice LeRae would be my two guesses of as someone that you could put in and beat Jade, and the entire world wouldn't explode. If it's Ember, if it's Ember Moon, then it's even less of an explosion, probably. Yep. So yeah, I think I think the five people we'll just keep in there is if if there's going to be a a female legend or or a female signee making their their first you know view to AEW, 
their debut, if you will. Ember Moon. Um, we already said Candice LeRae. Maybe Alita. You know, that would be pretty awesome. A Deanna Perrazzo. Someone just kind of staking claim and trying some stuff. Uh, Mickey James. It's If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but Carrie Hojo. All of those would be very much welcomed, I would say. Yeah, I mean, because here's where we're at. If you're not going to do that, then Jade should challenge for the actual women's title and then have the women's champion beat her, um, which will end her streak. So do you end the streak and have her drop the TBS title, or do you do title versus title, which is where they're going to be at, essentially, because she's literally beat everyone on the fucking roster. So they're going to have to bring in someone to beat her at some point. Um, and the idea of her just being comfortable being the TBS champion is a little ridiculous in the storyline of AEW where they've told us that the champions make more money. It was like, well, you're the TBS champion. If you were the women's champion, you'd be making even more money. And that's like kind of her character because it's that bitch show and I make money because I got this title. So <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, man. Yeah. All right, next match, we got the House of Black, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King going against the Death Triangle. Pac, Penta Obscuro, and Ray Phoenix. We finally are having this match. Um, I think the House of Black's going to win. I think there could be involvement from a new person within the group. I'm not 100% sure who that could possibly be. You know, you look at the landscape of darker characters. Maybe there could be one of the members of the other team that joins them. You know, I don't think a Penta or a Pac would, but they would be the two people I would uh, possibly say, which would be kind of interesting. Uh, is is the cheerleader girl going to come out and turn into a werewolf? No fucking clue. She could. She could definitely do that. I forgot her name completely, but I, I there's a werewolf, I think, within her. <laughs> Um, Julia, Julia Hart, Julia Hart. How could I forget? But, uh, you know, maybe she's going to finally progress into their version of the Luna Vachon, uh, over in Florida championship wrestling. Um, you know, that just innocent girl that becomes a crazy, crazy one who knows, but yeah, the, the potential of someone coming out, being another member of house of black, maybe being a part of death triangle, I think could be there with it. But Regardless, I put House of Black being the winners in this. And unless a member joins the group, maybe we can get the fuck away from the this group and this group participating against each other. I would love to see the House of Black have interactions with the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. I think that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, we need to get to the ending of the story, I think. What exactly is the story here, though? They don't like each other. Both of them are kind of dark and mysterious, and they fight, and that's been about it. And Julia Hart is a vampire, or, or a werewolf. I'm not 100% sure. But she got missed it. La- last hey, I also, I love you, Alistair Malachi. I love you. I love you. you, you I've been putting you over for years. Maybe uh, watch how Asuka does the mist and try to get better at it instead of just doing it to their foreheads. Uh, just, just saying. <laughs> oh my God. 
You didn't even give him the Muda. You're like, watch Asuka. Asuka, <laughs> so dude, she nailed fucking Becky twice now, right in the face, and covered it up so that the fucking ref couldn't see her. Yeah, well, Asuka is really, really fucking good, though, to be fair <laughs> to Asuka. To be fair. Yeah, right. uh, holy shit. Um, I don't know who I got on this one. I guess House of Black. Does Eric Rowan make an appearance since he got misted? That would be the only way I see this going any other way. I'm not making any more bold predictions around the House of Black. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. The next thing, like you said, I mean, the next obvious like thing would be maybe do a trios championship and have start building that division up. And the first match would be, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club versus House of Black or something of that nature. I don't see Death Triangle win- winning here unless like Aaron Rowan shows up to get his revenge. And who knows? Maybe he's happy with what happened to him because of the mist, you know? Maybe he likes it. All right, anyways. Um, oh, wow. The, the match I'm really looking the most forward to because they've done such a great job making it sporadic and fucking weird. American Top Team, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, Paige Van Zandt, with Dan Lambert going against Sammy Guevara, Frank Kazarian, and Ty Conti. Six-person mixed tag match. If America Top Teams wins, neither Guevara or Kazarian can ever challenge for the TNT Championship as long as Scorpio Sky is champion. I, I, I want... Um, everyone to lose actually I want Frankie Kazarian to win there that's what I'm saying Frankie Kazarian <laughs> needs to win this I want this match to get bumped off this fucking 14 match show <laughs> <laughs> not because of the wrestlers involved but just because I give zero fucks about it the new belt looks cool by the way I'll, uh, I'll give him that it's like uh, gold and purple I think but I, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I, did I miss this? They showed it off during the, uh, oh, I forgot. I think I did forget to mention that promo where they, they went to, yeah. Okay. So you have, this is the Friday. They had a little segment where Dan Lambert, Scorpio sky, Ethan page came to the ring. They premiered the new championship belt. It's just like the old TNT belt, but like, you know, it's yellow and then purple in the writing, so it looks like it's gold. It looks really cool, actually. I'm probably doing a bad job selling it. But um, so all of a sudden, the Titan, we have Sammy Guevara, uh, Ty Conti, and um, which we call Frankie Kazarian show up at American Top Team, and they break in by just going in the front door because they're not closed, uh, just pestering the poor female uh, lady up front, getting her to leave, and they have baseball bats, and then. There's like championship belts from a lot of other places and they steal three belts and ran out of there. So that's how the, the, the match itself was made. Finally was a very mad, uh, Dan Lambert wanting revenge for hurting his precious belts. Damn. I must have, I must've missed this segment altogether. I don't know what I was doing, but that it sounds like a cool belt. Also still don't care about this feud at all. No one does. All right. So wait, what? Like, if if are they doing like a title 
sure they are too. Like if this team wins, you get the title belts, plural. No, if so, uh, basically if, if American top team wins, Guevara and Kazarian, they can't ever challenge for the TNT championship as long as sky is champion. So that's, what's on the line. Okay. So Ty Conti gets the, the pin here. And they set up a three-way match. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I don't. Uh, this I don't care. But hopefully, I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, it'll be really good when you know all ego Ethan Page is in there with Frankie Kazarian or <laughs> Sammy Guevara. I mean, the big. What are you gonna do? Is Page gonna get the hot tag from somebody like? And Ty Conti's not that great in the ring either. I don't. We've already seen them. <laughs> Just like again. I said, it's like the blind leading the blind when it does that. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to find out, but um, hopefully this is uh, fine. Anyways, let's move on to a match. The Hardy Brothers. You got Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy versus the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson tag team match. I think. And you might have said it earlier, and I agree with you if you did. I think the fact, or maybe I heard it somewhere else, but the fact that Matt and and, and uh, Jeff are banged up a good bit, and it's very obvious, it's going to have to slow down the Young Bucks, and this is probably going to be something more of a, you know, story-driven match, but still they'll get their spots in. We'll still get the Bucks doing a lot of the Bucks stuff. But we, I've seen these guys in a ladder match. I, I don't remember recall seeing just the two of them against each other in just a normal standard match. So I'm actually excited about it. Um, I think the Young Bucks are going to win this. I know people don't want to hear that, but I feel like there could be involvement with someone else. We're just trying to make them be as big a heels as possible. And I think that Matt and Jeff can take a loss, and it's not that big of a deal. Um, so Matt's taking the pin, basically. That's what I think. I think that the Hardys are going to win this, and I will double down on that by saying "bullet club." Um, that's <coughs> that's my best guess on what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, it was it was me earlier that said this is this might be good for the Bucks. It'll be a, a more slowed down match, and you can see some of the greatness that is the Young Bucks when they sometimes slow things down. Uh, I know they try to get a lot in and entertain the crowd, but some of their best matches, like you go to the gold lovers, uh, you don't, they don't need all those spots all of the time. They're, they're really good workers. I mean, they can do that stuff and it's kind of their style of wrestling, but they, they can just have a good ass wrestling match. So hope to see that. Also Loki, I hope motor city machine gun shows up and kills both of them. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then the Rock and Roll Express runs out. And then Mari Gennetti and, and Al Snow run out. Uh, <laughs> outside of the Bullet Club, if they want to do something really cool and they're going to relaunch Ring of Honor, it'd be a good time to bring them boys in as champions to uh, get their revenge on the fucking Young Bucks since they yeah. got beat down at that Ring of Honor show. But uh, we still don't know where they're at on... <laughs> The uh, dim boys in general and the company is getting bought by a different company. So it's like a whole weird thing. That's another thing, man. I mean, not only that, but, you know, going back to New Japan stuff is like 
we just got it with Jeff Cobb and the Great Ocon. Like, are we going to get some more of this on this pay-per-view? You would think so. Like you said, Bullet Club may be coming out uh, at, at some point to help out the uh, Young Bucks. But could we see maybe, if he's not there, you know, at least um, an, a, a, an advertisement from Okada, basically, you know, just kind of calling out whatever or something to that extent. I wonder if we're going to have any involvement with major Japanese stars in this or any type of promo, you know, calling out a certain individual. I'm really sad that the internet didn't meme Okada into that great Ocon photo with money falling. <laughs> it's the man that makes it rain money. I don't know. I'm assuming that we're going to get some setup here on this pay-per-view. It kind of has but, to be. Uh, it's like a month away, you know? The, they didn't the bullshit do- at the fucking U.S. New Japan show. Yeah, they really didn't, did they? Oh, well. Uh, it'll, it'll, they got to do something here. I'm going to pop really, really hard if I'm going it, to. It's going to, I'm going to blow the roof off. <laughs> blow the roof off my sister's house if that happens. It's going to be terrible. But, uh, yeah, I, I do see Bullet Club getting involved in this and being like, the elite's not Bullet Club. So. That would be my best guess. The outside guess would be Dim Boys. But either way, I think the Hardys are going to win through hook or crook. And uh, I don't think any of the fans are going to be upset about that, honestly. As long as Jeff hits the swanton, everything will be okay. Everything's in its right place. All right. I agree, though. But a three-way tag team match for the AW. World Tag Team Champions. You got the Jurassic Express, the, the champs, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus going against Team Taz, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs against Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Um, honestly, I want Team Taz to win. Uh, I would love to see them with the belts, actually. I want to see Ricky with another belt across from the FTW Championship, which, God, is he like the first one that's actually like defended that thing more than once now? Anyways, it's not a real belt, so what the fuck ever. But anyways, uh, if Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland win, I'll be happy with that. I just don't want to see it on Jungle Express anymore. I'm kind of sick of it. I'm over it, and I think that there could be some involvement with Christian. Uh, either he doesn't do anything throughout the course of the match, or he tries to cheat for them, and Jungle Boy and him get mad, or whatever, and then Christian just knocks him the fuck out. Uh, afterwards because I think that Christian and Jungle Boy could have some good matches and it's intriguing I'm not intrigued anymore with Jungle Express with the titles and I think that either other team would be good they're kind of put together teams sort of I guess Team Taz really isn't but um, yeah I'm going for Hobbs and I'm going for Starks I would love if they could build that into this already really long show where Christian's like, yeah, but we're going to walk out champions. And Jungle Boy's like, no, no, don't get like that. And he's like, yeah, but we're going to walk out. And then they do the Bandito Chavo thing. They did the Ring of Honor pay-per-view to set up the mm-hmm. uh, Christian Jungle Boy feud. Totally down with that. But yeah, I got I got Team Taz on this one. Just because I don't want to see Swerve and Keith Lee together as a team. I'd rather see both those guys individually doing their own thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. All right. Well, that, that should be an awesome match. These guys have shown a lot of chemistry. We got three big, big men. This is going to be a fun match. I think. 
All over the place, though. Yeah, it should be good. Keith Lee, calm down. <laughs> Hopefully do not take a dive at Jungle Boy and Ricky Starks and hope they catch you. Oh my god, he'll kill him. <laughs> Mostly aim that at Will Hobbs and Lucha if you have to if you have to do that big dive Dude, spike. I'm telling you, when he did that corkscrew, it looked like when he nailed Will Hobbs with his knee and fucking leg that the soul just left Will Hobbs' body for a little while. Like, it was so it was much weight. Bad. Yeah, and he you know up, that he, he likes to do Topi Hero. He likes to do the Topi Hero, and he hasn't done it in a long time. But I've seen him. He did it in NXT, and now he's bigger. It's like, don't do that, man. So can he do he, that? Jesus. He went up. He went up so high, but fell way fast. <laughs> like, Momentum's a bitch. Yeah. He yeah. Was, if Keith Lee doesn't need to be doing all that shit. Honestly, I mean, it's cool when he does do it, but like, I don't know if he necessarily needs to. It, and obviously, make sure you pick the spot right. Maybe, maybe uh, dynamite is not the spot to be pulling out those big moves, Keithley. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, the next match we have the Jericho Appreciation Society, Chris Jericho, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Daniel Garcia, and Jake Hager going against Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and probably some type of involvement from William Regal at some part in an anarchy in the arena match. <sighs> this is probably going to be with a lot of crazy fucking stupid spots, but if it's going to be that great of a structured match, I don't know. It depends on what they build up to. But uh, this is it's going to be fun. And uh, my wish guest, I think I think the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society is going to lose. And what I hope that happens afterwards is that, you know, Eddie Santana Ortiz leave. Blackpool Combat Club is about to leave. And then either on screen or maybe even in person. we got Brian Danielson, John Moxley in the ring and. Okada and Tanahashi come out, point at the two of them, and challenge them to a tag match at Forbidden Door. And we build to that. I like that. That That's a little better than what I, I had for this. I was like, they're going to happen up, upon Danhausen and Hook <laughs> eating chips, and then Hook's just going to suplex everybody. <laughs> I like I like your idea too. I do. Because <laughs> you know this match is going to be fuck. Last time Jericho did one of these was in the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. <laughs> Jesus and Christ! Like, Matt like reinvented himself by falling in a hot tub. So that's my level of, of expectation of what this match is going to be. There's going to be like. The side of which which could be really funny, the serious side of ass whip, which is Santana Ortiz Kingston and the uh, Blackpool Combat Club and then the sports entertainment side of J.A.S. So I'm sure we're going to get some ridiculousness in this match. Might as well have Hook suplex some people. Well, could happen, man. I what I think mostly of this match is this is going to go on way too long <laughs> for, <laughs> for this for what this show is and how many matches are on it it's going to go on way too long 
But uh, hey, I, hey I, Hangman I, Page, CM Punk, you guys have <laughs> cut about ten minutes now. Sorry. You know if they fucking do that to Punk, he's gonna show up. <laughs> Have some words with Jericho. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, but <laughs> should be a fun match. I, I mean, I do you really care who wins this? No, not not really. I, I'm kind of over this whole entire thing. I think that I love Chris Jericho, but a lot of the stuff he's been attached to for a while, it's like the exact opposite of MJF for me. I, I, I kind of like the idea of the Jericho Appreciation Society and, and some of the jokes that are going on. The wizard shit's hilarious. I just don't know that I would have pulled like the Blackpool Combat Club into this. No, I would. I don't know. Yeah, this is this shouldn't be the first feud for the Blackpool Combat Club. You know. I mean, if you're just looking at this on paper and there's no rules, then they have Moxley, Santina, and Ortiz. So one team is clearly going to whip the shit out of the other. Well, like, they should, man. You, yeah, you got Moxley, you got fucking <laughs> Kingston, you got da- Brian Danielson and Santana and Ortiz. Like, Jesus Christ, that, that should be an ass whooping and a half. You got two people that worked in CZW on one team. <laughs> And then just a bunch of, like, sports entertainers. It should just be, like, I I just expect them to drop a bus on the other team randomly. Just drop a bus. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Zandig shows up as their manager dressed as William Regal or some shit. <laughs> like, no. uh, so do you think, uh, do you think Regal's going to punch out Jericho at all? I think Regal is Who's definitely going to show up. Uh, I, I, I'm regal. I guess we'll probably take the fireball. Maybe they'll even do it where his hair catches on. They'll do like a hair gimmick or something. <laughs> it's regal. You know, he, he's going to want to be involved to some extent. It's just, who's going to come in on Jericho's side. That's the real question. There's not going to be a situation where someone <laughs> goes to the top of a giant forklift and then <laughs> fucking suplexes another person onto a table. Right. I I mean hopefully not maybe uh you would think <laughs> maybe Hangman will ride in on his horse right in the middle of this match just be like dude what, what are you doing is- oh yeah that, I have another match and he just, just goes I mean, back if, if you're gonna do these stupid matches that everyone knows is gonna be like comedy match anyways you might as well do a callback right so Hangman just rides in on a horse with the title belt he's like I'm in the main event boys and just like rolls through. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't care. It should be fun to watch. I, I, I know it's not going to be a great match. I mean, uh, they're going to be the shit out of each other. I mean, Santina and Ortiz is there, so it should be pretty good because they, they do really well in these kind of brawl matches. Look at like the best friends versus Santina and Ortiz, which is like a really fucking good match for no reason. Uh, it just depends on whatever Jericho's ideas of what this match should be. <laughs> At least, at least Daniel Bryan's there and William Regal's there to calm down whatever fucking weird ass shit Jericho has planned. All right, next match we have Doctor Britt Baker DMD going against Ruby Soho in the 
Owen Hart Foundation uh, Tournament Finals for the women's, and then also Samoa Joe going against Adam Cole for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament Finals for the men's. Uh, for their match, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh are barred from ringside, so it's a straight match. That does not stop, though, Adam Cole with his many, many people that can, he can get involved. Uh, but I'm just going to say this, man. I think that it's going to be DMD and Adam Cole as the winners, and they're going to use that to put themselves over um, after this. I think Samoa Joe's definitely going to have interference, but it's going to be a part of Adam Cole's crew. Um, because they always do. And then afterwards, I think Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh are going to come out. And maybe, this is this is a prediction, the Ring of Honor champion comes out, runs to look like he's aiding Samoa Joe. He gets in the ring and joins his uh, fellow uh, foundation member, Jay Lethal, and becomes heel. And they all beat the shit out of Samoa Joe and help Satnam Singh do some type of move that's not going to kill him. Uh, afterwards, and that's what I think is going to happen. That's a lot. Hold on. Let me digest all of that. Um, so for Britt Baker and Ruby Soho, I got Ruby Soho winning. Otherwise, they wouldn't have her be played live to the ring by Rancid, which apparently we already know. And also, I think there is a set of fans that would be mad if both of them win. It's just too convenient. Um, I do think Adam Cole is going to win the next match, probably via fuckery. But if they're doing the Hardys match earlier in the night, so I also think Bullet Club will make another run in. Bold predictions here. <laughs> so, because that's going to set up whatever they do at Forbidden Door, Undisputed Elite versus Bullet Club, and they'll pull those cats over and they'll do that match. Um, so that's my bold guess on, on both of these, but, uh, I hope they give Samoa Joe and Adam Cole time as I talked about earlier, cause that, that could be, could be, that could be a fucking banger. No, I agree. This should be a good match. Both of them should be good matches and we'll find out. All right. MJF Wardlow. If Wardlow wins, he will be granted his release from his contract with MJF and officially be able to sign you know, by itself with AEW, but if MJF wins, Wardlow will be permanently banned from signing specifically with AEW. Um, I mean, they're in a rock and hard place, but I think Wardlow is going to win, but I think they will make us convinced that MJF is about to win many times from some type of devious thing. Um, expect Sean Spears out here and I'm going to assume Wardlow is going to win. He's going to leave. And then they're going to, Sean's going to be helping out, you know, um, MJF and out from the crowd that Naito jumps over, gets in the ring and hits them both in the balls and just beats the shit out of MJF. I mean, that, that that's, <laughs> that's just fantasy booking, but I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say it, put it out He's, there. He stills the ring and starts trying to buy <laughs> food at the local convenience store. With it. That would be amazing. Uh, that would be awesome. We need more Naito on the show, that's for sure. I am glad I, I heard he's medically cleared, so he is coming back to New Japan soon, which hopefully means he will be a part of Forbidden Door. Um, so that'll be awesome in general. I know he's cleared for the G1 in upcoming events, so that's good to know. But uh, yeah, I got Wardlow just beaten. I, I think they're going to do the thing where Sean Spears and 
MJF, they're in the ring together, and he just fucking launches Sean Spears into MJF, and he flops out of the ring, and Wardlow just power bombs MJF four times, gets the fucking pin. And then they make the story of, like, MJF was like, I wasn't ready. You started fighting me before the bell. You're a dirty cheater. And then they can build to the next match. And then you can actually have the match. Because I think what people want to see at this point and they're boiling for is just Wardlow to powerbomb the shit out of MJF. The rest of the match doesn't matter at all with this particular match. Like, if they went in there and had a long format match with MJF and Wardlow, people would... Maybe me more against that than just Wardlow powerbombing him four times. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I can do either, and I could see them doing either scenario, but we're going to find out soon. It's definitely the one I ha- I'm most invested in uh, within this whole entire pay-per-view. All right, next match for the AEW World uh, Championship, or the Women's World Championship. we got Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. I think this is going to be an excellent match. This also could steal the show match-wise, but I think Thunder Rosa is going to get a big victory over Serena Deeb. If they take it off of Thunder Rosa, I'm going to be kind of aggravated, and that's not because I don't like Deeb. She can definitely get in the future, but that means that they had no stock invested in Thunder Rosa, and I think that she's someone that should have this title for a minute. Yeah, I feel like Thunder's going to retain here just because eventually you want to set up back to her and Britt Baker. Um, and there's some cool matches you can do in between, especially if you can get some cats from stardom. Like her and Carrie Zane would be really good. Carrie Hojo, Mayu Itami would be great. Um, we will see what they do at Forbidden Door, but I expect Thunder Rosa to retain here just because she's... I mean... Everyone loves Serena Deebs, but she's not over. She's like Dean Malenko, kind of. <laughs> like, we really yeah. love watching your matches. <laughs> it's very true, though. I mean, that's what they call – well, that's why Dean dubbed her the the woman of a thousand holds. But Oh, I forgot that – yeah, I forgot he had done that. Maybe maybe I unconsciously channeled those two things in my mind. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she, Serena Deebs is fucking great, but it's like the crowd doesn't – care i mean they care like they like the match that she puts on but uh yeah yeah i wouldn't necessarily put her over uh thunder rosa in fact i would look at chris statlander and be like yo you want to do a title run after that crowd reaction how pissed they were yep all right um our last match for the aw world championship hangman adam page versus cm punk this should be a really good match as well. Um, you know, I, I here's how I feel. While, while I'm reading this, CM Punk should win. and I, But I've talked about it, and it makes a lot of sense. If you don't necessarily want your champion to lose to the other champion, and you're making this big pay-per-view, and maybe they'll do this with Okada as well. I don't know. but if Heyman is to win, that makes me think they're setting up a forbidden door in Chicago for CM Punk to have a rematch and beat Adam Page at Chicago during the forbidden door thing. And that would also kind of make me think that it's going to be a championship match between Okada and someone from New Japan that's up there uh, for the same thing while all the other matches will be against each other. 
see them doing that, but I feel like CM Punk should just fucking win and have a badass opponent from New Japan at the next at the uh, Forbidden Door pay per view. But I don't know. I don't know how they want to tell this story. And if Punk wins the title in in, in Chicago, the fucking the ceiling will come off. So if they were to do that like that, I could I I could understand why. And then they can get a third match out of this before Punk goes against whoever. So I don't know. I want CM Punk to win though, inevitably. So I just thought of a a good scenario because they're gonna be like it's a it, there's no time limit draw of this heavyweight title match. And they're going to bring the judges out. What if one of the judges is Kazuchika Okada? That's interesting, man. And then he gives the nod to Hangman. They do a time limit draw. They give the nod to Hangman. And that sets up him versus Punk because Punk is pissed at him. And then you don't have to do title versus title. That's definitely so, a way they could go about it, yeah. So both New Japan and AEW are protected because neither one of them are going to want their champion to lose. So, but you see what I'm saying, though, that there is something about CM Punk, even if it's at Forbidden Door, winning the fucking title in Chicago, you know? Uh, wouldn't it be better? Uh, well, now I forgot it was in Chicago. Wouldn't it be better if it is title versus title and Okada just fucking beats him in Chicago? And then you get American, American fans versus Tokyo fans, or Chicago fans versus Tokyo fans. That'd be really fun. It's going to be damn interesting, man. It's going to be damn Either interesting. Either way, we're, we're going to get one hell of a good match and a cool story coming out of it, regardless. Because I don't see Okada dropping that title before the fucking Forbidden Door. So, <laughs> oh, yep. As Okada said, it's not a fucking... <laughs> It's not a it's not an AEW versus New Japan show if I'm not there. <laughs> so take that for what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, whoever wins this match actually wins the real title, which is to get to have a match against Okada. <laughs> Basically, his first uh, match in America, really. I mean, like I know he did some stuff in TN, but this would be like. This version of Okada, who is this lineage champion that held the belt for 700 some days, his first time returning to America, other than the uh, double or the first AEW thing on a big stage pay-per-view, like, that's a big-ass moment. <laughs> so, it'll be great regardless. I think it'll be really, really good. Um. I would, I mean, for TV views, if you're just worried about rating and stuff, then go ahead and pull the the trigger on Punk as champion. It's going to be interesting. All right. Well, one last thing I just want to mention. Just, uh, I mean, cater towards the fans that think about stuff like this. Kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, but before I, I kind of go into examples of how you could introduce new wrestlers or stuff involving with New Japan, or Ring of Honor even, or whatnot. If no, you know, if they don't have an, like a huge surprise, which honestly I think Tony was smart about not putting too much into it uh, because he tends to, you know, say a lot. And then it's, it's cool, but he definitely promoted it higher than it needed to. But with this, if you don't get any extra stuff, if you really don't, if you don't get that much, or if you get like one or two, be grateful be happy with what you got. It's not about cameos, just like with the movies nowadays. 
if you're a fan of MCU movies and shit. You know, it's it's about the actual matches, the progressions of storylines, and everything going. So this is kind of they consider this their WrestleMania, I think, while All Out is kind of their SummerSlam, their second big one, which is weird because All In was the first one, but this was officially their first pay per view. So Double or Nothing's a big pay per view. We've always got people. We've kind of talked about a bunch of them. Out of the guys, you know, besides if we have a New Japan person come out. And we, we, we talked about Okada. You know, if Punk were to win, maybe Okada comes out and just looks at him and holds up his belt. Maybe him and Tanahashi come out to challenge the Blackpool Combat Club. That would be great. That would be really, really cool. But, you know, besides that, I don't see a lot of – we've already seen an, a, a lot of guys come over. Uh, I guess Will Ospreay is another guy that, that, that could be. Um, but out of wrestlers right now that are still on the market, there's not a lot. You know, we have Cesaro and we have, uh, whatchamacallit, Bray Wyatt that are both charging a lot trying to get with, if they're going to go somewhere with a, a big company. It would be great to see Cesaro maybe interact with the uh, Black Cool Co- Combat Club and set him up for stuff with Ring of Honor in the future. Possibility. Uh, Bray maybe being involved in this, you know, this this nest of uh, of a uh, House of Black or something like that. That would be cool. And women wise, we talked about some of the ladies that are still big names. You know, your Carrie Hojo's uh, that's over in Stardom. You know, your your Ember Moons, um, your Candice LeRae's. You know, or someone coming over, whether it be a Diana Prazo. There's a lot of examples of things that are going to happen or could possibly happen, but I want to make sure that I say I don't need it to happen. And hopefully everyone has that mindset and just enjoys double for double and nothing for what it is. Stuff does kind of need to progress. I think it's more important, Chris, for stuff to progress with the forbidden door aspect than new signees. You know, that to me is second tier than having like an Okada, a Will Ospreay or someone making an appearance to set stuff up for the next pay-per-view. Yeah, I agree. I, I, to me, I could care less if they make a huge signing, unless it's like fucking John Cena or something, uh, which that's, that's just an example as a joke. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested on them setting up the next pay-per-view, which is a month away, which is new Japan versus AEW. So I would rather see those cats show up. Um, than like an Ember Moon signing. Though I don't think that's far-fetched because I think there's stuff that you could do with her Jade Cargill, which could build that storyline. But uh, there's already going to be a lot of shit on the show. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this bitch ran till like 1 o'clock in the morning based on how many matches they have. Or they cut a match or they, they have to do something. They put way too much shit on the show. And uh, I mean, if nothing, if they have to dial back some of the New Japan stuff, I guess we'll see it on Dynamite Live on Wednesday. But uh, much like you, I mean, we've been wanting this for a while. <laughs> we want New Japan and and U.S. companies in general to have this headbutt on a big stage, and we've been talking about it for years and years and years, and this is the first time it happens. And to me, that's more important than like anything else. <laughs> on the show. I mean, there's really good matches on this show, but 
there's dream matches we may never get again because like if these two companies get pissed off at each other <laughs> randomly you know it might not ever happen and like Kota Ibushi is a good example because they already had heat with Kitty and in, in the Bucks when they left right so <laughs> let's just let's let's build to that pay-per-view <laughs> yes let's just build to the pay-per-view and have a a wonderful array a, a buffet if you will of matches chris but i think that's it for us this week guys uh i'm very much looking forward to double or nothing uh next week will be heavily catered towards uh hell in the cell and the you know shows building up to that on both raw and smackdown uh maybe maybe we'll do during the week uh a, sh- a short review of double or nothing get that out there before we talk about it if not that will definitely be included with the show that we do next week chris say goodbye to all the lovely people and uh you know plug whatever you'd like to plug leave your uh you know your 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 names on the various social medias if you will goodbye to all you lovely people out there if you want to talk to me on twitter it's at chris r Patton on facebook christopher dot r dot Patton. instagram chris R. Patton. Um, check out Skate's Throats if you like hockey. We got some podcasts up there going through the history of hockey, some of the most brutal beatdowns, legacy rivalries, drafts, etc. That that stuff's all out there. And um, as all as always, enjoy wrestling. We got a really good show coming up tomorrow, regardless of time constraints and the amount of matches. So hope everyone enjoys. And uh, next week should be really fun. So tune into that show as well. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Dane Alves. You can find me at Danels42 on uh what is that? Twitter, that 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 style thing, and Dane Alves on both Facebook and Instagram. So hit me up. Let's talk about some professional wrestling. You guys enjoy double or nothing. Check out my other show at Dane Rants. Search on any of your downloadable platforms. And, uh, you know, get a listen of that. We've been talking movies, so that's that's uh, that's uh, a lot of fun. But um, you guys have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you, as always. Peace out.